open up the app and the music appears But you don't see the hard work, blood, sweat, tears Three minute videos, days spent filming those Airports, sound check, live shows, studios, managers, promoters Labels, graphic design, there's a lifetime behind every rhyme Victory, failure, profit and the cost If we don't pass it on, then the history is lost Want an album review? Then you're paying for ads You want a half-page story? Cost you double for that And the radio's the same, gotta show them the money Cause they shelter and their listeners like bad boy Bubby Ignorance is bliss, but it isn't if you're missing the foundation That's why we had this conversation You wanna know the real deal? Here it is You're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers all right, check it out. This is the Beers, Beats and the Beers podcast broadcasting live from the Shire Studios, as we always do, my man, insidious producer extraordinaire behind the boards. And uh, we are back in effect for another week. And man, fuck, am I excited for today's episode. I've actually, um, you know, if you're press and play, you already know who the fuck we're about to talk to. But uh, man, I had the I had the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of talking to this man for, you know, damn near two hours just, you know, last night um, ahead of recording. Recording this episode, and uh, man, I'll tell you some of the stuff we're going to get into today. We're going to get into some crazy history, but we'll um, we'll get into that real shortly. Right, quick, let me just back announce, man, because uh, I'm going to keep it brief. But last week we had a good friend of mine, a good friend of ours, actually, mine and Russ's fluey, fluent form, or the artist formerly known as Fluent Form. We had him um, via Skype from Melbourne, and we talked all kinds of all manner of stuff with Fluey, man. We go back up. Uh, we go back a number of years with that dude. Um, you know, we got into his releases, The Craig Cartel, and his just evolution as an artist, as an MC, and now a producer. Um, just doing amazing things, man. Shouts to Fluey, like, you know, and stay, you know, stay tuned to everything he's doing. Finding me on social media at, at uh, I think, at Flu Dust, at, yeah, at Flu Dust, and, um, you know, stay up on what he's doing because he's doing magical things out here, man. You know, just recently signed to uh, the Italian based indie, uh, indie records label. Tough Kong Records, and they're kind of picking up, as he stated, they're kind of picking up where, um, you know, uh, places like Fat Beats and all that left off in terms of uh, distroing and um, releasing. Uh, a lot of independent artists out of the States and stuff. And yeah, they're coming out of Italy, man, of all places. And, you know, Flewy's a signee to uh, that label, you know, and we got into the Craig Cartel stuff. We got into all kinds of stuff with Flu. So, you know, all kinds of talk. It was a good, honest conversation. And, uh, you know, they're often the best ones, man. It was a dope convo, man. It's always great catching up with a good friend like that. So, you know, if you haven't heard that episode, go back, press play, give it a listen, give us a like. If you're tuning in via um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please rate, please subscribe. You know, if you want to leave a comment down there feel free but yeah those uh those star ratings are a big help to us you know so yeah and also before i go any further into this man i've got to send a huge shout out to our man steve from wanderer clothing w n d you may have seen it man it's stocked in culture kings around this country it's um it's in numerous retail outlets and man this dude he sent us a package you could choke a donkey with man like a fucking oh i mean that's probably not the right analogy it's uh he sent us that many t's and socks I mean, you could tie these joints together and probably fucking kill another four Jeffrey Epstein's with, you know, with the amount of shit this dude sent us, man. Like, yeah, big shouts to Steve, big shouts to Wanderer Clothing. We're going to have to do some promo and stuff for that. Like, um, yeah, he's a fan of the show. He said he's been tuning in. He loved, like, the Tame episode and the Shaz episode. And, you know, he's been tuning in since, um, you know, since day dot. We've been um, talking to a lot of people that he knows. He's been in the... Um, 
well, he himself has been in the, um, you know, I suppose the fashion and streetwear industry for a number of years. He's worked for half a dozen other labels and he's now running his running his own. You can find them on social media at Wanderer, at W-N-D-R-R. And once again, man, this dude, he just, uh, he killed it. He dropped a package on us, man, that was, it's fucking crazy and I can't do nothing but shout out the dude. Like, you know, we love that. We really appreciate that support. And anyone that wants to support the podcast, you can get at us via uh, the social media, man. Instagram's the best way to get at us, at Beers beats the biz on instagram um hit our patreon patreon.com forward slash beers beats the biz and as of you listening to this we have a run of shirts that will be upping this week and we have a bunch of sticker packs so if you're already a patreon you'll be um just stay tuned to your letterbox i'll be sending those out this week so we just got to go through all the patrons get all the um get all the addresses and all that sort of shit and um put those in the post but yeah we'll have some t-shirts available for you a new run of the beers beats and the biz tees that beers beats and the biz design is obviously by my man real up here reels tbk former crush city dude and all that sort of shit you know just a good friend of the show you could go back his episode was you know i can't even remember offhand but you know he we've spoken to reels on a number of occasions on the show and stuff like that and um yeah so those tees and stickers and all that will be available um is there anything else i need to do shout it out wanderer shout it out patreon man yeah once again if you're just tuning in via our social medias and all like, via the um platforms please rate please subscribe and just man share this podcast around you know but um listen i don't want to waste any more time because we have a conversation ahead for you guys i'm telling you man and listen you know i mean you know if you guys are tuning into this podcast it's no secret how um you know it's no secret my um well my you know beyond fascination but my love of uh of that that melbourne graph history no you know, melbourne history in general i mean you know i'm doing my damnedest to work around this country but man you know like fucking the shit that came out of melbourne man i can't escape it and anytime i get the opportunity to talk to one of those pioneers i'm going to fucking dive at that opportunity and right now we are joined by quite possibly one of one of uh Melbourne's, you know, one of Melbourne's most innovative writers, uh, also probably one of the most mysterious and eccentric in a way. And I was talking to this guy last night and I'll, I'll, I'll say now what I said to him last night because he didn't disagree with me. I almost view Hugh Dunnett, the amazing, the, you know, you know, a style innovator in his own right, the innovative Hugh Dunnett as a, you know, almost a graffiti satirist in a scene that seems to take itself so incredibly serious. This man just brought a degree of humour, uh, a degree of left field thinking to everything he did. And he's been at it since the, you know, since pretty much the inception of graffiti in Melbourne. He's been at it since the early to mid 80s. And um, listen, talking to this dude last night, holy fuck the stories, man. Like, so, you know, we're going to get into this, but uh, let me introduce Hugh to the mic. Hugh, bro, how are you, mate? Hey, Jake, how's it going? Word up, funky fresh. Yeah. <laughs> You're feeling funky fresh and fly oh, and all yeah. that good shit, mate? Yeah, that's um, <laughs> quite the intro you did there. Were you reading that or did you just ad-lib? No, nah, dude, I ad-lib everything, man. Like I just write my little notes. So, you know, I write down that I've got to mention Patreon. I've got to mention Steve from Wanderer. Um, then I write down a couple of, you know, like in terms of you, like I said last night, you know, when I was talking to you last night, I was just sitting there with my diary, just jotting things down as we were talking, you know. So beyond, beyond the stuff that I spoke to you, about like you know that I wanted to touch on you were filling me in and I was just like man like you know like you know all these things dudes like uh, all these things dude like 
you know, the the sort of eccentricities of your art and like the mysterious nature in 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 the way you kind of approached graffiti, man. You know, and you you didn't disagree with me in terms of being, you know, like uh, and and almost uh, like you know a, a satirist of sorts in terms of graffiti. You know, um, dude, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, just for just for the people listening. Oh, you know, just taking the piss, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what you said last night. You were like, man, I just kind of went out there, did did me, did my thing, and, you know, just took the piss out of what it was. But also, in saying, in saying that you took the piss, you took it very fucking seriously on top of all that too, you know, like well, you, you're an incredibly active writer. Well, yeah. So um, when, here's, a, here's a little antidote. Uh, yeah. So uh, when I was a kid on... On Christmas Day, there wasn't much on TV, but uh, every Christmas they used to show that old movie, uh, Endless Summer, a oh, surfing movie. Man, yep. I love that movie, man. Endless That's Summer 2 as well. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Endless Summer 1, it, it kind of uh, impressed me because they got um, like the world's best surfers at the time mm-hmm. and uh, all they did was ham around and take the piss out of each other. But if you look at, like, some kind of surfing video these days, Mm. like, it's all guys wearing Oakleys and I'm fucking too cool and (laughs) it's like, you know, they're best surfers these days and they're all too serious, too stuck up. But then, but in that movie, they had the best surfers and they were just taking the piss out of it all. Yes, yep. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. man. I haven't seen Endless Summer in years, and it's funny that you bring it up because I was talking recently to someone about it. We were down the coast, and I was like, "Man, do you ever see Endless Summer?" Like they used to, as you said, they used to show it on TV probably once a year. You'd see it; it might be on as a midday movie, or you know, it might be a Saturday afternoon or something like that. And that's where I discovered it as a kid. And I was never a surfy or anything even remotely, you know, even remotely like that. And um, but it was dope, you know. And then obviously Endless Summer too, you know. And they travel around, you know, for anyone that hasn't seen it. It's probably on YouTube these days, you know. It's uh, it's as Hugh said, it's a group of uh, prominent surfers at the time that travel around looking, looking for the ultimate wave. You know, look at the endless summer. They travel around the globe, don't they? For the most part, like you know, you see sort of you see a lot of old school Australia in it, you know, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing, dude. But like you know, like that sort of harking you know you know sort of relating that back to you and uh i mean the the, your pioneering spirit and your also kind of the humor you brought to to melbourne graffiti i was going to ask you out the gate you know rather than asking where you know the tag who done it comes from and all that kind of thing because we're going to get to all that and all your nom de plumes you know like done it king and poo done it and you know like the countless you know just the, the dope shit you did and even uh you know writing admit early on and things like that did did being huge done it and I, I know I asked you this last night but I ask you this again for our listeners did being Hugh done it bring you like was there a juxtaposition in that your name being so mysterious did it bring you further scrutiny as as uh, as a writer as your sort of you know status grew or you know as your fucking you know as you sort of fucking took off as a writer did the name Hugh done it bring you under greater scrutiny do you think from the cops? Well, yeah, from yeah, from the cops, obviously, from transits and all that kind of thing. Well, because my name is actually Hugh. Mm. Uh, uh, no, not really. I don't because nah. you, you because you got to prove it, and uh, yeah. 
doesn't really matter what your name is, that the cops still have to prove it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so even when Hugh Dunnett was up, like um, I didn't really look like a writer and I didn't tell people I was a writer. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, if I introduced myself to someone and they said, oh, this is Hugh, they'd go, oh, you mean like, like Hugh Dunnett? Ah, ha, ha, ha. They wouldn't. You know that they wouldn't click that that you were who done it. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't know. Wow, yeah. wow. Now, I, 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 I only asked the question because I wondered whether it made you a greater target. Like, you know, I mean, we've, you know, we're going to hear story. I mean, you were telling me last night some of these, you know, Peter Stevens and the trans, well, you know, your run-ins with Peter Stevens, but more so some of the transits that worked underneath him and stuff like that. I wondered if that specific tag brought you greater heat, being that, you know, these dudes are now seeing you getting up and you did get up and, you know, you certainly got up. You're one of Melbourne's most prominent of the era, you know, and so publicly did it bring you greater scrutiny than the jewel or the murder who are, you know, wh- whose names weren't, you know, weren't even remotely that, obviously. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know. But yeah. but, um, it, it, but uh, later on I did kind of divide the tags and uh, – I'd use Hugh for a legal piece and done it for illegal pieces. Yeah, 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 yeah. Later on, mm. I'd kind of d- divided them. Yeah, yeah, as, as like a, a conscious effort to separate the two? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah. Well, I mean, dude, where do we kick off with you, man? Because there is so much to talk about and I have so much that I want to talk to you about. I mean... Like in terms of graffiti, dude, you're kind of you're you're peerless in what you did, and you kind of ran your own race. You know, you um, you know, you sort of, as you were telling me last night, you were never uh, you were affiliated with a number of crews. You became friends with you know AC, DMA, and you know um, members of those crews, but you were never crewed up yourself. How do you kind of how do you first step out there and start writing Hugh and then later Hugh Dunnett and all that on walls, man? Like, where does that kind of begin for you? Well, uh, probably the same as many people, like um, catching the trains, seeing graffiti, thinking I can do that, I could do better than that, going out, giving it a try, and then, you know, like I... I, I remember seeing graffiti and think that's shit. I can do better than that. I went out and did it, and of course, my pieces look like shit. And I thought, oh, <laughs> there's uh, there's uh, more to this than meets the eye. Yeah. It's not as e- it's not as easy as it looks. Yes, certainly, 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 certainly. And then you kind of, you know, you kind of. Well, what, what what are your first movements graph-wise? Like, where where do you sort of where do you start getting? Like, you're from the Belgrave line, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Belgrave line. Yeah. Did you spend most of your time along that line? Did you get like who were you seeing in those days? You know, we've spoken to so many writers; they always cite USA. Were you seeing the same crews and all that kind of thing at that time? Uh, yeah, pretty much. The less graffiti now. Uh, sorry, less graffiti then than there is now. Yeah. So. Um, so on the Belgrave line, there was, you know, some kind of like kind of early hip-hop pieces or, uh, you know, electric boogaloo or something like that. Uh, prime, prime pieces. Yep. 
um, yeah, but less than, especially when you went out to the end of the line, there was not much graffiti at all, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was lots of graffiti. Yeah. Still. Yeah, that there was people, there was obviously stuff getting up. I mean, what years are we talking, dude? Um, well, that's, that's a good question. And as a, first of all, as a disclaimer, I'd just like to say that when it comes to dates and my memory's not so good. Mm. So if I, if I say any date, maybe it could be wrong. Sure. There are people who out, out there who know, who really get into dates and stuff and yeah. I'm not one of them, but you know, they probably know. So I'm guessing, uh, I was probably using the tag Hugh Dunnett from 86 and maybe uh, I was using other, I hadn't, maybe prior to 86, I, I wasn't using the Hugh Dunnett tag. I was still trying to think of a good tag. So yeah. I don't know, maybe I was, maybe, maybe I was dicking around from 85 maybe but i wasn't tagging hugh dunnett probably until 86 i think yeah. I, so when it comes to dates don't oh, quote me yeah dude i mean like dude i mean we're going back you know we're going back three and a half decades you know as i always say i mean you know yeah you can't you know there's only so much you, there's only so much you can remember when we're going back that that far and you you know people you know we largely live in the moment obviously you know we're not there documenting specifically not in that era you know but like yeah. did you did you go out and focus on letters initially or were you sort of more focusing on abstract you know like you know i want to talk to you obviously about the eyeball at auburn station and all or, you know between auburn and wherever it was but um you know like did you go out and focus initially on letters or was it more of an abstract thing for you, you know? Uh, a bit of both because, you know, I hadn't I hadn't even seen subway art or anything like that. Mm. And so I'd just seen what was already on the uh, on the walls already. So yeah. and yeah, I suppose I was just focusing on my imagination really yeah you know i mean obviously one of the most prominent pieces of the era by you and there's a number of them there's a number of them but you know it's in um it's in kingsway we constantly cite kingsway but you know it's in kingsway the eyeball from 1986 and you know we were talking about the story last night about the cop and the cadet you know can you can you take us through that the, the eyeball story well, okay. Uh, so the eyeball is done on a concrete power box. It's a small power box, uh, and it's just out between Auburn Station and Glen Ferry Station. And uh, it was pretty old. It was a really old power box it's only small i guess it's a power box mm. uh, it's only small I, I guess it's maybe about five or six feet square maybe uh don't know and uh it was really old and it was really crappy concrete uh and the concrete was really porous yeah. so it didn't have any pieces on it you could see people had tried to tag on it and it had just soak it up like a sponge. Mm. So you couldn't, nobody could, nobody would piece on it because, you know, you couldn't really piece on it. So I, I mixed up a really thick 
gooey kind of paint, like really super thick, and I had to orange, and I kind of daubed it on yeah. to this power box one night as a you know to create to seal the concrete, and uh, I guess the the railway line there it's elevated, it's uh, it's above uh, street level, yeah, yeah, and uh, so I was there. Uh, painting this eyeball uh, and uh, and so I whacked on this uh, thick kind of orange undercoat and uh, you know I actually got like a glitter and little cans of little uh, hmm. glitter and I threw glitter into the, uh, into the, the paint into the undercoat yeah yeah so yeah and uh, Yes, yeah, so I was doing this piece, and and I'm above the tracks. It's I don't know. It's at night uh, after the trains are finished, and uh, I can see that in one of the houses down below, there's these two guys. And they're I think they they're working. They got a, they pulled out a uh, some barbells and. They're doing bench presses and stuff at one in the morning or something. Jesus, yeah, right. (laughs) There's these two guys. Anyway, so I'm just piecing and uh, I did the piece and uh, when I finished the piece, I kind of climbed down from the tracks and these two guys must have somehow seen me or something and they grabbed me Uh, and they're like, oh, we've got you and... uh, so it, it turns out that they were police cadets at the at the police academy. You know, trained they they want to be coppers. Yeah, you know, they're um, <laughs> and they grab them like trying to get away from them. You know, there's two of them. Yeah, and uh, and they they call up the they call up the local cops, and uh, so this this cop comes around and he and the cop that. So the real cops come. These guys were like police cadets, want to be cops. They weren't actually police. Yeah. And uh, a cop car comes and the cop that gets out, and I hadn't been busted at all at this stage, yeah. so nobody knew who I was. And uh, and I thought, oh, I'm fucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the, anyway, the, the cop that pulled up, he was an older cop. Um, he, you know, is probably... I know in his forties or something, yeah. uh, and he's going well. You know, yeah, he's asking the cadets, you know, oh, what's going on here, and and they're really kind of proud of themselves. You know, they're like, um, oh yeah, we, you know, we're cadets, we're we're at the police academy, and you know, we're going to be cops, and we caught this guy, and, yeah, and the cop kind of listens to their story and listens to it, and he's like, right, so. Uh, you realise uh, you're holding this person against his will. You're not police. Uh, this person can charge you with kidnapping. Did you know that? Jesus. And he just starts taking the piss out of these two cops. You're not police. Who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. You know, holding a person against their will. You know, you're going to be – this person's going to – do you want to be charged with kidnapping? And he's just taking the piss out of them. <laughs> and, uh, and uh yeah, they just, they just let me go. Didn't take my name or anything. And Nothing. 
Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, and that was that's kind of good. It's a nice, funny story. Uh, was that was that was that one of your first run-ins? Uh, so again, like when it comes to dates and timelines, my memory's a bit. Uh, Easy, yeah. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, yeah. it may well have been. Yeah, probably was. Because you, because you, because uh, you would think. I mean, was the was the transit squad in effect at that point in '86? Like you would think they would make an example of you, but was it so early in the piece that you know they hadn't even they hadn't even established that kind of thing yet? Um. So the cop who rocked up at that at that occasion, hmm. uh, he he wasn't a transit cop. He was just a regular uh, suburban copper from the local from the local cop shop. Mm. Um, uh, as far as transit police goes, um, I so uh, I don't think they'd established the, uh, I'm not sure if they did, had established the transit police as a unit uh, at that stage. So mm. as far as my knowledge goes, originally there were no transit police. They had these police called, railway investigation officers and they weren't actually part of the Victorian police force and they were nicknamed Rio's, R-I-O. Yeah, that's right. Railway investigation officer. Yeah. And, uh, and at some later stage they kind of formed this unit called the Transit Police, but again they weren't official police. Mm. And uh, and then later on, somehow or other, they the transit police became official Victorian police somehow or other. So uh, at that in eighty six, whether or not the transit police was an official unit, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I, no, because that's what you were even telling me last night about the Rios, you know, and like when when the transit squad was act, actually established, you know. But I mean, how bugged out is it? You know, two cadets coming to arrest you. I mean, I think if you had given it three years, I mean, they would have, you know, you would have been a fucking trophy for them, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, you know, by by that stage. I mean, dude. I mean, let's get into the guts of it because you did tell me some amazing stories, and it's all going to relate. And you know, we always sort of, you know, like. Like the history goes everywhere with these podcasts and stuff like that, man. We go all over the place. But, I mean, dude, the you know, the story you were telling me last night about the North Melbourne Yards and that raid where you got shot at, I mean, do you, can can we share that with the people, man? Because that was a – that's one hell of a fucking story, dude. Well, how about before I tell that story, mm-hmm. uh, can I lead into it a oh, little please, bit? Please, please. Different direction. Please do, so, bro, please do. So I used to always try to be very, very organised and when I would go out and do a piece, it would kind of be like a, a James Bond mission, right? Yeah. And, I, you know, I'd, I'd totally suss out the wall. I'd have uh, lots of different escape routes planned. You know, if this happened, I can do this. And I spent a lot of time, like, doing the full-on stealth, uh, you know, sussing things out and doing a real James Bond mission, right? Yeah. So I was always very, very careful, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, and 
and I don't think at that. So later on, I would uh, when I when I eventually met some other writers on on some occasions, I'd I'd go out and piece up with other writers, and like they'd have a look out, and you'd think, oh, okay, that's that's pretty smart. That's uh, that's doing a bit of that's doing your homework, mm. but the lookout would be there in the bushes smoking a cigarette, and you could see his cigarette from miles away at night. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah, and the guys doing the pieces would be smoking. You could see their cigarettes, and they'd be shaking up their hands, yeah. and you could hear it miles away. And I was just like, "Holy shit, man! This is like just asking to be busted." So I was always really. Uh, <laughs> really really careful and i try to suss things out like james bond right yeah for sure however the the only problem is i was uh i was partial to a drink yep right yep so i i like my my beer mm. and uh the two don't really match. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah no doubt. You no know doubt. what I'm saying? So, I do, mate. I so, do. <laughs> so, so, um, so jumping ahead to this North Melbourne story, mm. well, I'm, I'm glad I, I said that I usually suss things out and, you know, lots of stealth, but on this occasion, uh, the, it was just stupidity and there was no sussing it out and I didn't really use much stealth and it wasn't much of a James Bond uh, activity because I had a few, <laughs> I had a few drinks. So, you weren't quite 007 on this mission, mate. <laughs> no, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in, I'm in the North Melbourne Yards. I think it's on a Sunday during the day which is stupid, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm I'm doing uh, throw-ups, uh, and, and again, I, I didn't really know North Melbourne Yard that well, so it's another stupid thing I did. Mm. But anyway, um, I'm in the yards and I'm doing throw-ups, and, uh, and and again, I did wasn't wasn't really a throw-up person. I don't know what I was doing on that day, um, but uh, anyway, I'm in I'm in North Melbourne Yard doing my stuff. And uh, you know they got the big rocks on the uh, between the railway lines. You know, you, I hear this crunch, crunch, crunch of boots mm. on the rocks walking. I'm like, oh fuck! And uh, <laughs> so I, I, I just bolt. And uh, it's two two cops, two transit cops. By then, they did have transit cops. Yes, yeah. At this state, this is jumping number of years okay. forward yeah and there's there's a there's a chick and a, a man copper and uh and i just started bolting around and uh and uh, the the chick she she says uh she screams stop or i'll shoot <laughs> and i'm like i'm thinking yeah right bullshit <laughs> you keep on rambling. Yeah. but the next thing you know she's fucking shooting at me and uh and, uh, and I just keep kept on bolting, and uh, you know, there's a there's a river, kind of a creek that runs through, and I kind of ran down the creek, and I thought, oh fuck, got to get rid of the evidence, and you know, yeah. I threw my threw my spray can in the creek, but it was half empty, so it, so it floated, uh-huh. so that was good. Yeah. And, uh, 
and you know I, there's no there was nowhere to go to and eventually they they got me and uh you know they didn't really know at, at the, until then they didn't really know who i was yeah yeah so, um you know they they got me and they they radioed in to the main transit office and uh and every fucking transit copper just came down there like they're, they're having a party they all, they all jumped in cars and there's like about six cars full of all the trans every single transit copper was there and they're all like oh we got you yeah it's like you know they got their they got their trophy and they found out who i was and it's like you know so i got busted and it's like oh and they're having a good old time there or, you yeah. know they're swiping each other on the back and yeah and they uh and i just been shot at right and I'm, yeah no shit like, yeah. 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 i was being a bit of a smart ass because i i thought you know like police you know you they gotta be they gotta account for every bullet they shoot i guess you know you would think certainly yeah yeah and, yeah, and i'm like i was being a smart ass i'm like thinking oh okay well uh i said to them how are you going to explain the gunshots how are you going to explain the bullets <laughs> and uh they just said what gunshots what bullets what are you talking about mm. yeah no gunshots fired here yeah it's like, oh, fuck. So they, you know, they uh, they uh, bundle me into a car, you know, in the back seat full of transits. And they take me to the transit office, which was at that stage in, I think it was a little Collins Street, maybe, or Flinders Lane. Uh, sorry. But, but at that stage, the transit police station was in uh flinders lane i think uh, i think that's what it was <clears throat> yep. take, take me up in an elevator and uh in me in the middle squashed before these fat transits and one transit his name was car hill yeah uh he pulled out a gun in the uh elevator he put it to my head and he just said, "Bang! It's that easy." It's like, oh God! It's like, oh. anyway. Jesus. So, uh, so anyway, then they go into the it's interview time, and uh, this was back before. Now they record interviews, but at that stage, it was written, uh, typed. Right. You know, they'd, they'd ask you a question and then the copper would be typing the question and typing your answer. Yeah. So you got to realise the transit cops, they, they're not, they, they can't. It was pretty funny trying to watch a transit cop use a typewriter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine a chimpanzee <laughs> typing. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they couldn't really type. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, so it was all on paper. And I don't know anyone who has ever had one of those, uh, just as a side note, I, hmm. anyone who ever got interviewed uh, and you get yeah, a copy of your uh, of it. Yeah, like a and, uh, script or whatever. Yeah. I don't know why, but I always remember the, the paper that uh, they give it to you. It smells really nice. It's kind of perfumed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't, it's just a side note. It's like, uh, you're fucked, but yeah, here's a nice nice smelling piece of paper. Here's, here's some nice stationery to, <laughs> to yeah. take with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, so uh, somewhere along the line, I guess, the, the uh, cops had heard that if you hit someone with a telephone book, it doesn't leave bruises, mm. right? And they must have heard this, but they didn't know how to do it. Like, I guess the idea is you pick up a telephone book and you smack a telephone book against someone's head or something yeah, that sure. doesn't leave bruises. But they they couldn't figure. They'd heard it hadn't leave bruises, but they didn't know how to do it. So what they'd do is they'd get one guy to hold a telephone book against my chest <laughs> and another cop would start punching the telephone book, right? <laughs> yeah. And because uh, they didn't know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Just, And I'm just sitting there going, what's going on? Because the telephone book's just absorbing all the punch and I'm just, it doesn't hurt at all. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? It's like it wasn't working, you know, like. <laughs> it wasn't the most effective interrogation method. <laughs> no, they, they didn't, yeah. And, then, and so, uh, I so they could, um, the law was then, maybe it is now, I can't remember, but they could keep you for X amount of hours in the, in an interview. You're, you could, I can't remember how many hours it was, maybe it was, eight hours or six hours or something like that, but they, they couldn't legally, you couldn't interview someone nonstop for 24 hours, for yeah. example. Yeah. There was a time limit. Maybe it was eight hours. I, I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but there was a, there so, was a specific time they could only, they could, you know, hold, yeah, hold you custody for. Yeah. It was quite long. Yeah. Um, anyway, so during this interview where they and so I'm, I'm just making a no comment. Every question they're asking me, I'm just saying no comment, mm. no comment, no comment. And uh, <clears throat> during the interview, there's a transit standing directly behind me wearing a Halloween mask with a baseball bat in his hand. Mm. It's like, Oh God! It's yeah. like, what what a day! Yeah, dude. Like it's like getting shot at, getting these, getting a gun pointed at your head, yeah. getting telephone books, and having a goon stand behind you with a bat it, in a mask. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's like it's just like oh God, fucking. Anyway, <laughs> it's just like a, it's like yeah, fucking bad day, you know. It's like. Did you recall anyway, how long you were in there for? Well, I was in there for the whatever the maximum amount of yeah. time was that they were yep. allowed to yep. hold me for. So let, let's just call it eight hours, okay, yep. just for the sake of yep. uh, 
So, so anyway, just no comment, no comment for uh, for eight hours. And while I remember, uh, <clears throat> it turned out later that I found out in court uh, the the chick copper who shot at me, she'd been a copper for two weeks. Wow. Wow. So you, you give an 18-year-old a gun yeah. and a bat, Jesus. and that's what happens. Yeah, and she's and, fucking firing already. Bloody hell. Yeah. yeah. Fucking keen, hey? Yeah, dude. Yeah, keen, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and her name was Christine Frank. Mm. F-R-A-N-K-E. So if you're listening, Christine, you're a stupid fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Christine. Oh, Christine. And no yeah. doubt she probably she probably is still on the force somewhere, you know. Like well, no, I don't think so because really, do you see many old cops? No, no they, you don't. You they, see young cops. They get because those. They get those juicy pensions and then retire to, or you know, they retire to a desk job and then you know go off and get those pensions. You know, public servants. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but yeah. so um, yeah. So anyway, they, they, they kept me for the uh, the maximum amount of time, and uh, <clears throat> so and they kind of found out who I was, yeah. but. Um, and then later, um, that went to court, mm. and you know, I told my lawyer all about being shot at, having a gun put in my head, telephone books, and rah rah rah, and it all came out in court. But of course, it's just my word against yes, a bunch, a bunch of cops. Bunch a bunch of crooked cops. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but but anyway, uh, it got thrown out of court. Unbelievable, eh? Unreal. But um, it didn't get thrown out of court because of the gunshots. It didn't get thrown out of court because they pointed a gun at my head or telephone books or a baseball bat or a Halloween mask. The reason it got thrown out of court was that the judge said that uh, they kept me for, let's say, eight hours mm. and uh, I was making a no-comment answer to every question that they gave me. Mm. So the judge said, look, it would have been pretty obvious to you after... 30 minutes that he was just going to keep on answering no comment, no comment. Mm. However, you kept him there for eight hours answering no comment, no comment, no comment for eight hours and uh, it got thrown out because of that. How's that, go, hey? How is that? Go figure. Go figure. You'd think they'd throw it out because of the, the gunshots or whatever. Yeah. But maybe. It may be. I don't know, but maybe, like in hindsight, I wonder if maybe the judge he knew that what I was saying about the, you know, being shot at and and the baseball bat and all that kind of stuff. He maybe he knew that oh that was the the real truth, but it couldn't be proven. Yeah. So maybe that was his way of. Uh, 
you know, getting justice done. Yeah, yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Just maybe, of... or maybe no. So you, so you just walked out of there. Uh, yeah, all those charges were were dropped because of that. That's unreal, isn't it? That's unreal. I mean, you, you you were telling me this story last night and I was just sitting there like, holy shit, you know? Like, I remember, I think when we spoke with Tame or I can't remember who it was, but the, the you know, like they talk about, you know, they talk about mental health and PTSD and all those kind of things these days. And man, I seriously think some of the, you know, like, I mean, a situation like this, dude, you're in an elevator going up, you're surrounded by some fucking burly ass, big ass transit dudes. One of them pulls a gun out of his holster, puts it to the side of your head and goes, bang, that's how easy it is. I mean, holy fuck, man. Like, this shit is, you know, and, you know, I mean, your kids, your kids, you know, like, it's the the methods they used, man, you know, like, there's, you know, I mean... It's like um, the, the police force wonder why they have a bad image. Oh, exactly, bro. Yeah, I know. Okay, going back, going back into the history, like back into the history books. As I said, man, we'll jump around and we'll go everywhere. Um, did, did you establish yourself initially? Like, how seriously did you take trains and bombing and all that kind of thing, or were you more focused on, you know, uh, you know, developing letter styles and you know, sort of those productions on walls? What was it? What was it for you more so? Well, first thing, developing letter styles, like. I was never, uh, I never did wild style or anything like that. My letters were pretty, uh, always pretty legible, Um, you know. uh, So I I wouldn't really say that I've developed any any groundbreaking letter styles or anything. But, dude, but but uh, but not to interrupt, you did develop a style that was uniquely yours. And the way you started utilising characters and, you know, even like, you know, going back to the the eyeball at Auburn, you know, like, you know, one of your prominent pieces is an eyeball, like this this kind of abstract cubist, what you know, like the, this approach you even, you know, uh, the thing you DM'd me this morning of that early piece, like, you know, like, man, you, you did distinctly you i mean you did develop a dis, uh, style that is distinctly yours you know like without fail well, it's funny when you when i when i look at uh my pieces you can see you can by looking at the pieces you can pretty much tell so the so the, maybe the first couple of years i didn't hang out with any writers i knew no writers yep. no writers knew me I hadn't seen subway art or anything like that. And I can look, and then later on I did meet uh, some writers and then I, I learnt some things from other writers about paint and can control and, and stuff like that. And when I look at photos of my uh, early pieces, I can you can tell by looking at them when I had never met any other writers yeah. and when I had and to tell you the truth and because you can see that you can see I'm using paint differently and my thinking's different mm. but to tell you the truth my early pieces although technically they're pretty shit the concept behind my earlier pieces before I'd met any other writers was so much better than the stuff I did later because it was just more original yeah. like the pieces are actually shit and and i didn't have i had shit paint i didn't know about paint but just the the uh the bones of the piece uh 
um, the idea was a lot more original than after when I had met writers and I kind of, you know, I, I just think they were a lot. The, like my original ideas was all just from my imagination. Yeah. And then later it was probably affected by other things, like by looking at subway art and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you were talking about bombing walls, trains. So, um, yeah, I, I've done a bit of both, yes. uh, a bit of everything, a bit of bombing uh, walls, trains. It's all about bombing. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, early days, I used to uh, I used to tag, and I used to be up uh, for a couple of years tagging trains, uh, uh, and then later on I stopped. And uh, I can tell you why I stopped tagging trains. So I used to the trains used to be bombed, and uh, I used to go. Uh, bombing trains, doing loops with with other guys, and you know they would be using uh, you know pens filled with raven oil and leather ink and and, uh, and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I I used I I used to be really up for a couple of years on insides tags, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one day. I and a bunch of other people were, you know, bombing a train. It was wasted. And then this was uh, kind of like uh, probably early in the morning and uh, a woman got on the train to uh, go to work in her work clothes. She was wearing a nice skirt or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and someone had tag the seat with leather oil and uh, she sat down on it and then she just got all this like all raven oil or shit all over her skirt you know she's going to work yeah great start to the day and yeah and, and she's pissed off and I'm like looking at her and going that sucks man uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that sucks I'm 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 not gonna tag anymore that just that sucks yeah and I just stopped tagging that was it. That was it for you. Well, stop tagging Insides. trains. Yeah, yeah. Inside. Yeah. Uh, stop wasting trains. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's talking about tagging trains. Uh, what else about trains? Uh, some characters. Characters that used to be on the line. There used to be this guy called uh, Window Kicker. Okay. He wasn't a writer, but most of the old writers would know of him yeah. because he. He did loops as well, and uh, he just kick out the windows. Fuck. He's just like window kicker. He's famous. Uh, you should ask ask about him. Anyone who was doing, anyone who was up with tags and insides and stuff, yeah. they, they would have met the window kicker. They met the window kicker. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He wasn't uh, a writer, but he. He was uh, James Bond's stealth as well. Yeah. He knew all about the transits, and he he was uh, he was really stealth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ask 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 about him. Other people, um, the window kicker. Uh, I'll make interesting. a note of it. I'll make a note of it, man. I'll make a note to ask about the window kicker for sure. For sure. I know I haven't. No, I don't think the window kicker's ever come up on any other podcast. 
he was famous. Um, yeah. Uh, so just just for sen- just for kind of like you know just for whatever it's worth, senseless vandalism. Like you know, like he would just go through the trains, kicking in the windows. That's what he did. That was his. That was his whole thing. Well, no, he, he had a very. Uh, well, he didn't just kick the windows out. He knew exactly how to do it. You know, yeah. he had to take the gum and you had to take out the seal of the window and you had to kick it in exactly the right place. And he had it down to an art form. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and if, if you're calling it senseless vandalism, well, I don't know. Isn't wasting inside senseless vandalism as well? You, can you draw the line? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he was just one of the characters, uh, you know, there's lots of, characters and uh, he was one of the characters and he moved in the same circles like he did loops and so lots of writers knew him and he was a good source of information about the transits as well because he he kept his eyes open he was very uh very cluey yeah. uh when you when you got to know him yeah uh, but he's a bit of a weirdo too yeah but, yeah no yeah. doubt no doubt <laughs> Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> just had a strange hobby, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened to him? <laughs> oh, I don't know, I don't went, know. went into glazier, glaziering and all that sort of shit. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's tags. I, and I never, I was never really into th- throw ups. I don't know why. Um, you did do a few though, didn't you? Well, yeah, but I'll, they they weren't very good, and and uh, I, this wasn't my thing. I, I had I had I had a I, I finally figured out a nice tag, and I kind of stuck to that tag. And yeah, I'll, so anyway, yeah, uh, I I used for a couple of years. I used to tag up insides, and I and I was up, and uh, and then I stopped to stopped it. I'd still tag walls and stuff like that, but I just kind of stopped on the insides. Basically, that seeing that woman, uh, it just kind of like I just thought, oh, no, it's just, that was enough. Fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you ruined someone's day rather than brightening it up somewhat, you know. Man of a conscience, you know, man of a conscience. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 a man of um and a man of somewhat good intentions too, no doubt. You know, like how does um you know sort of moving through history and stuff. You know, you were saying before when you when you um, when you started to meet other writers and hang with other writers, you found like you found their in you you know you found them having an influence on you. When you see subway art, and I don't know, I'm presuming you would have seen Star Wars and all that kind of thing. You're writing pre that. What does that do for you, dude? Like, did you see that and just go, "Wow"? Was that just straight inspiration? Was that you know was that was that motivation to go harder, or you know did that have you know did that start informing what you were doing? Graph-wise? Well, yeah, yeah, because um, <clears throat> originally when I started, I I was just painting walls, and uh, I had no idea that people were painting trains. Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, <clears throat> when I saw Subway, I, mean, I just saw this train. Oh, I just that's a whole new aspect of it that I, I didn't even know about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right, we are back in effect. We just had to have a quick durry break. And, um, yeah, man, like, I mean, we left off. We were just talking about trains and, you know, 
and, um, you know, sort of the influence of Star Wars and, uh, you know, subway art, obviously. But, I mean, you did paint your, you know, your own share of trains. I mean, you've got a, you know, um, you did some prominent panels throughout your time and even, like, I want to get into a couple of them, like the HD with uh, Kaz in particular and, um, you know, obviously um, the joints that were coming out of Warrigal and, you know, we were talking last night, you know, we were going through some of the uh, stories that, you know, um, you know, some of the other guys we've had on have spoken about in terms of Warrigal and that and while you won't you know while you don't sort of credit yourself as being the first person to go out there you were one of the early people heading out to Warrigal Hugh can you um you know just just sort of inform us on Warrigal and you know you heard about it early and then a lot of other dudes started going out there and it you know sort of turned it a bit you know turned it red hot so to speak well, I can give you my opinion and my memories, but you know, mm. as, as you know, you know, everybody's got their own versions of of events. And if you ask ten people about the same story, you're going to get different. Ten different uh, stories, yeah. We say it. All, we say it almost every episode, man. Because I, call, you know, you know, when I do a lot of these podcasts, man, I generally navigate. You know, it's not too bad, but you know, you'll navigate these issues from you know episode to episode where someone says, "No, it didn't go down like that." But as I tell everyone, man, like if you put five people on a train, you're going to get five different versions of events. You know, and you you largely ran by yourself for so many years, but you were one of the early people going out to Warrigal. Yeah, so this is how I remember it anyway. Yeah. So, again, this is moving the timeline uh, away from, you know, this is like uh, late 80s, uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe me. Sorry, I don't know what year it was. But mm. um, so the, the yards were getting hotter and it was getting more difficult to, to uh, do trains. And um, I'm not sure who I heard it from, but I think I heard it from Mist. Mm. Um, and we were just talking, having a beer one day, I think, and uh, I heard about this yard in Warrigal. And I'm like, what, what, what is this yard in Warrigal that you're talking about? And uh, I think he said, oh, yeah, no one goes out there because it's too far out. And, mm. you know, like if you go out there, you're stuck out there. And I'm like, what? I'm I did, I'd never heard of this, and uh, so I went out there and uh, sussed it out, and I'm like, it's, it's, you know, it's like um, I, I can't remember how many trains were. It was a small yard. Maybe it had like two, three, or four trains parked there. I, I can't remember, yeah. and it's like in a, at, at you know, like a. At the end of at the end of the line, as far as uh, as the metropolitan uh, train line went, as yeah. far as far yeah. Yeah. and uh, yeah, it's like I went out there and like did a piece, and it's like this is great, you know. It's like there's no one around. Uh, it's, it's like this is my new yard, man. It's like so, you know. I'd go out there and I I did a piece, and then. Oh, yeah, and I'd go out there every two weeks. I'd go out there, do a piece, then I'd spend two weeks trying to get enough paint together, and then I'd go out there again and, and do another train. And then, I, you know, every two, you know, I'd try and get paint together, and I'd go out there and do a, another piece. And each time my ambitions grew, mm. and uh, in the end I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to do a, a top-to-bottom piece uh, 
by myself, you know, top to bottom hole. Yeah. Hole car by myself, right? Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and I did. And I, I, uh, I started one. I, I can't remember the order, but I, I did one and I didn't finish it. Mm. And uh, because, I, because something was going on and I, I, I heard some noises or something and I got spooked and, uh, you know, maybe it was a bust or it could have just been a possum, you know, like yeah, yeah, often, yeah. often at night, you know, you'd be piecing, especially if you're kind of by yourself and you hear rattling, rattling in the bushes oh, and stuff so. like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd get spooked and yeah. just a possum. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Or a couple of possums. You don't know that. So anyway, I got spooked, and maybe it was a possum, or maybe it was a transit. I don't know. Yeah. And 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 then later on, I went there and, and I did a my own top to bottom uh, hole car, which uh, which uh, I don't have photos of. I had photos of, but as I said, my photo collection got. Uh, confiscated yeah. uh, so so i'm really looking for photos of that so if anybody has a photo of that can they please send it to uh to jake here yeah uh, definitely definitely here. Yeah, yeah. We were talking. Um, we were talking. About, we were talking about this last night. Like Hugh's actually trying to hunt down a lot of his old pieces. You know, there's only so many that, that exist. If you, if any of you guys have stuff, and no matter what it is, man, feel free to DM it through to us, man. Like send it through to us, and I can forward it on to Hugh, or you know, or forward it to Hugh yourself. You know, if you, you know, obviously we'll, you know, we'll put the social medias up and all that kind of thing. You know, you'll see, you'll be tagged into everything as we, um, you know, as we progress through the week after we drop this episode and stuff. But yeah, man, you um, – so what happened to what happened to all your stuff? It just ganked by transits and all that sort of shit or did you just lose it along the way? Uh, yeah, no, police raided my house and uh, they took uh, – ah, okay. You, you want to talk about Warrigal or do you want to talk about oh, this? Oh, dude, we, we, we go everywhere, man. Talk about whatever you wish to talk about. <laughs> I probably asked seven, seven questions for, you know, like there's seven questions in one, you know. Um, so, uh, well, finish right. the, finish the Warrigal story, man. Let's get through Warrigal. All right. Um, all right. This, my recollections of it are this basically, uh, no one was going out there. Mm. I started going out there every couple of weeks at, at you know, in the, at this time, everyone was really paranoid and everyone's worried about getting busted and everyone's worried about getting informed on. So, Everyone was very secretive, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you didn't tell people what you were doing because, you know, you're worried the word would get back to the to the jacks. And uh, yeah. so um, I was going out there and no one else was going out there. But anyway, later on, I guess, uh, those other guys, they got wind of you know the fact that i was going out how's where's he doing these pieces you know how's he how's he doing it you know and then they as i said i'd go out there every two weeks and later on it turned out but when i wasn't going out there 
other people started going out there. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because I listened to your previous uh, podcast with Tame and Jewel, and so I heard their Warrigal versions yeah. of the stories. So, you know, they went out there after they figured out that I was going out there yeah. and it was a, and that yard was a, an easy thing. And uh, to, to get out to Warrigal, you know, there's basically one road out there. It was a highway going out there. There's probably other ways to get out there, but essentially there's, there's just one road. Yeah. And it was funny when I listened to your previous podcasts about how those other guys got busted. You know, they they got busted on the road going back, That's right? right. That's right, yep. And uh, when you think about it, you know, like transits are pretty stupid, but it, it makes sense, like, you, if you're going to bust people – so transits would usually raid a yard and kids are just, you know, you can't catch a bunch of kids just running Scout. in a direction. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it kind of would make sense that you, you go out to the yard, you let them do their pieces, they hop in a the car, they get on the freeway, and then you just pull over the car and you just busted everyone in the middle of nowhere on this highway and it's, it's an easy bus. You don't have kids running in. You know, it's just an easy way to... To catch everyone, I yeah. guess. So, yeah. basically, what happened with me was uh, so the last time I went out there, usually I'd go out there, I'd do a piece, and then I'd head back to Melbourne, right? Yep, yep. And then actually, the last time I went out there, I went out there, I did the piece, but instead of coming back, back to Melbourne, I went away from Melbourne and I, I, I went to a place called Neerham South, which is the opposite direction, right? Yes. And then the following week, those other guys went out there and they all got busted, right? So I wonder if the last time I went out there, if I had actually headed back to Melbourne it wouldn't have been me that got busted. I reckon the only reason I didn't get busted was because I didn't head back along that highway. I went the opposite way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, those guys all got busted, and it, and it, and that was a lot. I never went there again. That was it. it that was it for me. Yeah. But uh, so they kind of fucked it up. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, it's bound to be fucked up by someone. It, Maybe I fucked it up prior to that. Who, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you were churning. I mean, you were churning a number number of panels out of there, and we're talking about some, um, you know, some uh, some relatively iconic ones, man. You were using a lot of Vaughn Bodet characters on um, on some of those panels. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got, I mean, I've, you know, I've sort of been going through the history books and looking at a few. You know, there was a couple that ran out of there unfinished, but you know, the Cheech Wizard across the door, and then um, also the other Dunnet with the red. You know, the the side it's kind of faded white to white to red with a another Bodé character on it, man. Like, you would, I mean, you were doing some, you know, you were churning out, you know, you don't credit yourself as being that heavy a panel writer and you may not have been in regards to, you know, AC and DMA and that, but you were still, you know, you were still heavy in the mix. You were still churning them out. You know, um, when you think about it, it's like 
I, I did uh, I I did at Warrigal. I did two uh, top to bottoms, and I guess if you're a purist and you say top to bottom whole car, it means that every single every single part of the carriage is covered in paint. Well, no, it, it wasn't. Mm. They were, you know, top to bottom lettering, and the bottom half had all background, but uh, there were patches that weren't covered in paint. So if you're a purist, then I guess it wasn't a top-to-bottom whole car. But anyway, um, I was thinking about it like with the paint that you had then and the nozzles that you had then, like if you wanted to cover, if you, you wanted to get decent coverage but you wanted to cover as much as you could, if you held the can a little bit away from the train or the surface that you wanted to, you could hold the can back maybe a couple of centimetres and maybe you would get a line of maybe a thickness of an inch and a half. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, for real. Yep. If I sprayed one line uh, horizontally mm. and I wanted to get reasonably good coverage, uh, maybe that line would be an inch and a half thick, right? Yeah. So figure how long oh. it would take one person. Man. You know, you're figuring like if I walk from one end of the train to another holding a spray can, I'd get in a coverage of a line of an inch and a half thick. Yeah, exactly. Line. Well, imagine if you want to paint the whole train top to bottom how long it took exactly exactly yeah. this, the, and this is and this is what we often talk about on this podcast man i mean the 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 the, the you know the 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 nozzles the cans the what was available to you in that era and the quality of the productions you churned out with them man not to mention the the hazards that came along with them you know like it was like man there's only so much you could do with those nozzles you know and those cans yeah you need um You'd need a duffel bag full of paint oh, yeah. and uh, at least three milk crates. Mm, mm. I take six milk crates because I can make steps. I was going to ask. I was going to ask how you did it. How you did it. And would you have anyone? Would you have anyone subbing for you? Would you have anyone just sitting there? What would you just? You know. So say the um. You know the one with the 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 one that came out of Warrigal. It was unfinished with the pink background, the blue letters, the puck character, and all that. Like, to talk us through the process of that. Are you going down there with crates? You've got a duffel bag. Are you by yourself? How did all that kind of go down? No. Every time I went to Warrigal, I went with one other person. Yeah. 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 Um. It was probably a different person every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just bring someone out just to keep watch or, you know, just to, just to sub it yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, um, yeah, milk crates. That's that's another story. Write down milk crates on a piece of paper and ask me about milk crates later. Yeah, I'm done, done. <laughs> we'll keep that, man. I've got milk crates written. Yeah. But so after yeah. that, after that, Warrigal was Warrigal was a non-event, you know, for you. It was just kind of well, like, man, for that's, me, that's done. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me at least. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, it was good while it lasted. 
Yeah, because it was um in in this in the story we're talking about, I think we got Tame's Tame's perspective and oh, well Johnny Johnny uh, Johnny spoke about it initially on his episode Jewel, and then um we got Tame's perspective on Warrigal, and you know I think we were talking um I think it was the best in town car that came out of Warrigal, so it was um you know Paris Peril Ransom Jewel and Tame from memory might have been new too on there as well i can't remember but yeah they um you know it was a one horse town one road in one road out and they got pulled up as they left you know they painted well they'd seen some you know they'd seen some fucking sus dudes wandering around before they went in there and they went in there regardless and turned out that it was transits down there sussing it out and they were onto them to begin with you know like so yeah i mean you can go back in the history books and go through the episodes and um hear those stories but yeah when i was talking to hugh last night he was telling me he was like man i was probably one of the earliest not the first he, he you know he's not going to take credit for that he, there may or may not have been other people going out there earlier but he'd heard about it had mist gone out there like if mist is putting you up on it ac gone out there Oh, look, I, I don't know. Sorry. Oh, uh, no, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, like, in, in a sense, for me, it was lucky those guys got busted because if it hadn't have been them, it would have been me. It would have been you next, yeah, for sure, without fail. Yeah. yeah. It's just, um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, and as I said, I wonder if the last time that I went out there, which was before they went out there, if I had actually gone back to melbourne if they have just picked me up on the road yeah. so i don't know yeah who knows yeah 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 how did you come just while we're on the subject how did you come to connect with um with ac uh i don't i don't know uh, uh just so i don't know like uh used to hang out with, have a beer with Mist occasionally. Uh, um, and who else? Uh, hang out with Note a bit. Okay. And uh, so, uh, and Saipan, uh, yeah. maybe, don't know, don't know how. I probably, probably connected over beers, I think. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you steer clear of the the riders bench, or were you kind of did did you go through the riders bench much? Did you spend much time in that area? Well, everyone had to go through the riders bench because it was in Richmond, and oh, Richmond's a hub. Yes, that's so right. you know, um, so you had to change trains at Richmond at some stage or other. So, and you know, again, there was no if you went to meet someone, it was. It was a good place to meet people uh, if you had to meet someone. But, you know, it was like, yeah, yeah, I, I hanged out at the writer's bench uh, a little bit. But it's like I think I was listening when uh, Pest, when you interviewed Pest, he yeah. said it was you know, just a s stupid, easy way to get busted, you know, get observed. And I kind of agree with what he says uh you know, like you have to, you had to go through Richmond uh, at some stage, and you had to get off the tr train at Richmond at some stage. But uh, just hanging out there for ages, and like, and so another thing is, um, I used to like, like I said, I used to like to have a drink, and uh, you can't drink on uh, railway property. Yeah. So, uh, so what? What we 
me and some other guys did, we had our own kind of little private uh, drinking riders bench. It was down by the corner hotel. There's a little Rhode Island. There was a patch of grass with a bench on it and uh, the bottle shop was nearby. And, you, you know, we, we'd go down there and uh, have, a, have a beer and that was kind of like a, the drinker's rider's bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the drinker's rider's bench. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, you're not allowed to drink on the trains. Like I, re- I remember um, sometimes people drink on the train and they get busted by the cops and they'd get a fine for drinking on the train. They'd have a, a can of beer mm. and the cops come and go, you got a can of beer, you're busted, here's a fine. Mm. It's like I kept on saying to everyone, don't drink cans. Yeah. Drink stubbies, yeah. right? <laughs> what you, what I did was, you crack a stubby. It's got a twist top, and you just you keep the bottle top in your pocket, right? Yeah, and when the when you see the cops get on the train, all you do is you put the bottle top, you screw it back on. That's it. And man. the cops come and they go, "Oh, you got a beer?" And it's like, "Well, I'm not drinking. It's it's got a top on it." I was drinking it before I caught the train, but as soon as I hopped on the train, I put the bottle top on and I won't continue drinking it again until I leave railway property. And so I kept on telling people, just drink stubbies and keep the bottle top in your pocket, but no one listened. They kept on drinking cans and they kept on getting fines. <laughs> that right that right there is a life lesson for anyone listening today. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, stubbies are good. Stubbies are good. I do I tell you what, man, these days I do like a beer out of a can though, man. You know, since they started doing the import cans, like the Heineken, the actual Heineken import cans and the Stellas uh, and all that, man, I do enjoy my beer out of a can these days. You know, I've I've almost I, I mean I don't prefer well, yeah, man. I, I almost take beer out, beer out of a can over fucking beer out of a stubby these days for some reasons. But yeah. in, re, in regards to travelling on public transport, certainly, certainly do it with a stubby in hand rather. <laughs> yeah, definitely, dude. But, dude, okay, let's go. Let's, you know, I mean, while we're talking panels, I mean, then we'll start moving through things. Um, Dude, I mean, you know, as you said to me last night, you also hooked up with DMA and you did a great panel, the HD CAS panel that I want to post this week and stuff like that. I mean, you hooked up with DMA at a point, you know, I mean, you were kind of like, to me, you appear from the outside, once again, just from an outside perspective as like this, you know, like the, the man of mystery beyond the name Hugh Dunnett, you are kind of, you know, just out there doing your own thing, but you do start sort of, you know, developing loose affiliations and friendships with crews. I mean, just tell us about hooking up with DMA and, and painting with Kaz, man, painting with um, – who was Kaz? Was Kaz Paris or Peril? I can't remember. Uh, Peril. Peril, that's right, yeah, yeah, and the other one. And um, Paris wrote Bank, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that, man, going into the yards and or where have you painted? Like you painted the blue Harris with – with him, I'll post a photo of this. And I also want to get into Burnley with you, dude, because you seem to have just, um, you know, you've done so much amazing, you know, just amazing stuff around Burnley. But before we get there, you know, walls and shit like that. But, um, yeah, dude, can you just break it down, break down the friendship with DMA and, um, you know, hitting that panel? Uh, so, uh, well, okay, that panel, so, okay, um, I'm just as looking, far as I'm looking for a photo that, of it currently, sorry. That that uh, panel was done at uh, Upper Gully okay. Yards, yep. and uh, and basically, I only I only ever did three yards: Upper Gully, Jollymont, and Warrigal. They were the only yards I ever did. 
um, uh, and and again, uh, there's guys out there who've done hundreds of panels. I haven't done hundreds of panels or, or trains or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was done at Upper Gully. Upper Gully was my favourite yard. Um, so um, when talking about Upper Gully, so it's Upper Ferntree Gully. Yes. Uh, so when I first, I used to really like that yard, and when I first started piecing there, um, do you know what a blue light disco is? Of course. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Do they still, do they still have blue light disco? Oh, I wouldn't know if they still do them, but they used to. It used to be when the, you know, I suppose, I think it was the local like PCYCs or the local cop shops would put on those discos for underage kids, you know. Like, man, I used yeah. to go, we used to go to them as kids, yeah. Yeah, to keep them off the streets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, I used to go to the Blue Light Disco at Ferntree Gully, right? Mm -hmm. Ferntree Gully, it was held at Ferntree Gully Tech, which is quite close to the Ferntree Gully Yards. Oh, right. The Upper Gully Yards. So I was hanging out with all these guys, you know, and they <laughs> It's kind of hard to imagine. It's kind of, it's kind of bogan. Uh, it was kind of bogan central. So the, you can imagine the fashion at the time was um, probably uh, the jeans would be stretch stonewash Faberges, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, with someone, had, someone had always look old enough to get some booze from the. From the bottle shop, so we'd always be drinking before we go to the drinking in the that, park. Yeah, before that, that, we go that was a must. Disco. That was a must, mate. You always had to have a few drinks before you went to the blue light disco. <laughs> yeah. And then when everybody before the blue light disco, when everyone had their drinks, I'd I'd get them to look out for me. Right, I pop into the yard and do some, some damage to some trains and then go to the Blue Light Disco, which is run by the cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that, that that one with uh, that Kaz piece, that was done at uh, Upper Gully and he said he wanted to – I knew Upper Gully because I knew it pretty well. Could you know, Let's do a piece together because I know how Upper Gully works and we did that piece and – yeah, and his his piece turned out pretty good. Mine turned out pretty average. He he spent more time on his piece than I did. But um, the interesting thing is, if you look at my piece, I got the uh, the lids off the spray cans, and uh, I used them as little stencils, and I made little half moons. Oh, dude, uh, I'm looking at it. Now. If, if you blow it up, you can see these these little black. Kind yeah. of half moons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just getting the. I don't. I'm not saying that's my original idea, but it, uh, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Dude, uh, an, uh, an early proponent of stencil art on top of everything else. <laughs> uh, I'm looking yeah, at it yeah. now, and for and for all those listening, I will I will um, repost these so other people can. Um, you know, so those following us and on the social media and stuff at Beers Beats the Biz, you'll be able to see this. Is that a hue? It's not a HD, is it? A HU. Yeah, HU. But here's another interesting story about um, me and Peril. I don't know if he remembers it, but this is my recollection. Mm. You know, my memory shit. But here's my my recollection anyway. One 
Well, as I said, I used to tag, and I used to do what's now called loops, yeah. and I used to be up, and and again one day he goes, "How do you get up so much? Can I, you know, I want to, I want to go with you and see how you, how you do it, because mm. what when people would do loops then, I don't think they were very organised. They used to catch a train and. It, They'd catch it somewhere, get off at the train, you know, catch a train, bomb the train, get off, and then sit around waiting for the next train for 20 minutes and then catch that train, bomb it, and then get off the train and maybe sit around the station for 20 minutes. And it's just all this wasted time. So it used to be when you went to the station, you could get a free timetable. It was a piece of paper and it folded up, it, it unfolded it, and it, it was really big. Yeah. When you unfolded it, it was, it was probably like about a metre square when it was unfolded. Well, maybe not a metre, but it had every station listed going both ways, and it had what time the train was scheduled to arrive at each station. Yep. So just by doing some simple math, you could, which is what I did, I worked out kind of a loop system where I, whereas these other guys that catch a train, that get off the train, sit around waiting for 20 minutes, I was totally always on a moving train. So when I went out this day with, with uh, Harold, it's like we're tagging, it's like, okay, we're getting off at the station. Okay, we get off the station and then a minute later the train pulls in the other way, we bomb it and it's like, Okay, we get off this station now. You yeah. get off at the station and then another train pulls in so that you were constantly on a moving train bombing instead of having all this downtime sitting at a station. Because they just kind of said, Oh, this train's empty, let's catch this train. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then get off and then but I had a system worked out just by getting the timetable. You had it. It was great. You had a timetable that said every, had every station going both ways with the time listed, and it was quite easy if you had a knowledge of of how the the trains ran. Yeah, it was quite easy. Yeah. It was quite easy to make a you know some loops where you're constantly on the move. Yeah. And, yeah. And using your time more efficiently when you were bombing. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. That's what I was That's what I was about to add. I was about to add it's just a, a far more efficient way of getting out there. And then you and then beyond that, you're not loitering on platforms. So you're not a target. You know, you're you're getting on, on and off the trains as they're pulling in. You know, you're just constantly moving and going. Yeah. Was, so was, anyway. Oh, sorry. Please hmm. continue. I was just going to say that uh, anyway, so that you asked me about DNA, I did – I did that one on a bluey with uh, Peril in Upper Gully, and I did one with Senna. Uh, he was in DMA, also in Upper Gully. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that's the, uh, I don't know, but maybe they're the only panels I did with DMA and with DMA members. Um, but but you yourself would do a DMA panel too, wouldn't you? No, um, I was never in DMA. But there is a story that 
one time when I was painting with Senna in Upper Gully, mm. we were doing, I was doing a Dunnett piece, he was doing a Senna piece. I finished before him and I'm, it's like, what do you do? Do you say, okay, I'm out of here or do you wait around in the yard? So I decided to wait around with him until he'd finished. I had some leftover paint, so I just went on to the other side of the... So people would do a piece and what they'd usually do on the opposite side of the train is they'd write P with a circle on it. That's right. And so that would mean that there's a piece on the other side of the train, yeah, right? Yeah, So because I had this, I'm waiting around for him to finish, I had some leftover paint. I, I went onto the other side, I went in the train and I hung out the door and I did a DMA piece. Ah, so that's the origins of that because you even wrote on Instagram. It's a rare photo, long story, but I am not and have never been in DMA. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not in DMA. I'm not in DMA. Yeah, no, no, certainly not, certainly not. But I just, you know, even, yeah. after, even after talking with you last night, you just, you, you're just telling me that, that story, you know. Um, yeah, as, uh, DMA, like, uh, I used to hang out with Tame a lot and we did a, a few walls, quite a few walls mm. together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I, used to, I used to hang out with Worm, Worm DMA. Uh, we used to hang out a lot. Um, he was a notorious bomber. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Um, uh, and Plot, I used to hang out with Plot, have a beer. Um I think he was in DMA. Um, how far? How far? I don't mean to interrupt, but how far into things? You know, as you as you've you know already stated, you kind of you started off like solo, and you 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 largely moved as a solo writer. How far into your? How far into piecing and writing did you start connecting with these other dudes? Was it years years after, or did you just couple start? Years, maybe. Yeah, couple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and were they and were they all guys local to you largely, or were they were you just coming across them on your travels? The first time I hooked up with other riders, it was um, I was walking back from a drinking session actually, and I was walking back along the train line to get home, doing some tags, and I busted a bunch of guys piecing up, and they those guys wrote. Uh, it's me. I think he was Say USA crew. Wow, um, another guy who wrote Secchi, I believe he's dead. I think. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, another guy who wrote To Honor. And I, I was walking and I busted these guys doing a piece. I'm like, oh no, don't run away! They're running. Oh, it's cool, man. I was, <laughs> I was drunk. And they they were the first guys first other writers i've ever met so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that was some of the that was some of the early writers who, who who you know we hadn't really we haven't really gotten into your influences who were your early influences in terms of graph other writers yeah yeah like what was influencing? like who was influencing you know pre pre the spray can arts and all that kind of thing arriving you know arriving on our shores who was influencing you graffiti oh, no, no, sorry. Oh, no sorry spray can art sorry not uh subway art subway art yeah 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 subway art. It, it, it had arrived probably i don't okay. know i don't know when subway art, I'm, all i'm saying is it was like 86 I had, or something wasn't it 
Yeah, I hadn't seen it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not saying. I, I'm just saying. I it, it was probably around. I just didn't know about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. the so the writers the pieces that I saw that impressed me were prime pieces. Mm, yep. 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 Prime. USA crew. Uh, uh, yeah, his pieces were clean and good. Um, yeah, mm, we said, yeah, and and even like we go back to Tame's episode, and he's like, "Man, everyone wanted to be USA." That's what that's what he said. But were you seeing much on TV? Like, was it like video clips? What sort of music were you into back in these days, or were you not into music? Ah, uh, to tell you, look, I I don't really know that much about hip hop. Yeah. Anything I know about hip hop, it's just because some of it would have to rub off because. You know, You're the people it. I like, yeah. yeah. But no, I was just listening to Top 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Radio, radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top 40 yeah. Uh, stuff. Yeah. No, I just, I, no, I, 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 sorry? I don't really know much about I know, you know, this is beers, beats, and the beers. I can talk to you forever about beers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the beats, sorry, I can't talk to you about the beats yeah. and the beers. I'm not even sure what the beers is. But, well, so, well the, the, the beers is almost a double entendre in that I'm Jake Beers, but the beers, you know, we often talk uh, about the, the business behind, you know, behind hip hop. Uh, and, and it's in, a pun. In, I love puns. Yeah, pretty much, man. You know, so in, in, all, in all its formats, you know, when we set out to do this podcast, we set out to, you know, bring stories you know, the stories behind hip hop, the stories behind the art, you know, because quite often be it music, be it, uh, you know, be it a piece on a, be it a piece on a train, be it the music, be it a DJ, be it, you know, a dude spinning on his head, whatever, you know, but just the, the stories and the business and the culture that exists around, you know, around, around hip hop, you know, because I mean, at this point in time, hip hop really is a business, you know, like it is, uh, it, it is, it is commerce, you know, it's global commerce at this point, you know. I think you're doing a pretty good job, Jake, uh, of, uh, you know, you, you're providing, a uh, an, an audio history and, uh, I think you're doing a good job for what it's worth. Oh, dude, listen, man, I, I really appreciate it. And it means a lot coming from someone such as yourself, dude, because, you know, like when I, when I do these things, you know, like it's, you know, I, I what I, what I never want to do is mis, misrepresent the person. And I suppose a, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, motivation to do this initially was that, you know, we'd look around and we wouldn't see these stories and then we'd see history just being lost, like slowly, just, you know, slowly just disappearing and it's being wiped. You know, it's just, you know, if we don't document it, if someone doesn't document it, if someone doesn't talk about it or just keep it out there, it's gone forever. You know, like it's, you know, we need to pass it down for generations, man, because, you know, this stuff is, you know, you yourself, you've been at this for three and a half decades, dude. You know, be, you know, whether you listen to an Eric B and Rakim song or a fucking KRS joint or whatever, that's by the by, man. You contributed by, you know, defining what came out of Melbourne style-wise, man, you know, like you really did. And we need to give those props and we need to, you know, capture those stories, man. So that's, you know, like it's it's not my duty, like, you know, I don't see it as my duty, you know, but I just see it as something that, you know, something that ought to be done, you know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, I don't know, I don't know really how to pinpoint it. Yeah, do it before everyone 
dead. Exactly, bro. dude. Everyone's getting old, man. Like everyone's getting old. I'm in my forties now. You know, most of the, a lot of the people I talk to are late forties, if not fifty. You know, and I'm just sort of, you know, and we're also, you know, we're also kind of bringing this back, like a lot of this history back for a newer generation. So we got a lot of younger people that tune in, man, that have, you know, that have obviously that, that have probably seen the faded hue alongside the um alongside the corner hotel in Richmond. You know, like I said to you last night, we we'd be at Soundcheck, you know, because I've been involved in music for a long time. And, um, you know, we'd be down in Melbourne and if we were performing at the corner, I'd go out the side and I'd smoke a durry and I'd always look up, man, and always look at that Hue piece, you know, and always being aware of you. And all these years later, later, fast forward 15 years, I get to sit here and talk to you and learn from you, man, you know, like learn, you know, and I get to learn from a different identity and a, a different person. I get to engage with different people week after week, man, you know. I try to keep it as broad and as, you know, like when we say the biz, it is Jake Biz, but I do try to keep it as broad as a spectrum of you know people we have on this podcast we've had photographers we've had you know yeah man dude listen we can go through the list we've had 80 fucking something episodes you know but yeah we've had you know crazy people touring agents managers um you know a lot of graffiti artists in recent times but i love i love graph i'm not a writer personally never have but you know as i stated from the outset like you know i think melbourne did it on a on a scale like, you know, Melbourne developed at the same time, probably outside of New York, Melbourne developed at the same time as the rest of the world and it really set itself apart. Like, it has to be a top five city in terms of what it contributed to graffiti. You know, it really has to. It has to rank along the Londons, the Parises, the Germanys, the wherever. You know, I know it's, it's, it's New York first and foremost, but, you know, even things were developing in New York throughout the early to mid-80s. In Melbourne, Yous were at it, you know, Sydney, they were at it, you know, and you're one of those people, man. You're one of those people and we need these stories. Yeah, well, I've got lots of stories. Um, you know, I mean, Burnley, man, you painted a lot around Burnley and I want to get into like how you adopt so many characters and stuff. Like it seemed like all your pieces, like you always, you know, you know, like the human form, you're always painting a character or, you know, a kid's character or whatever. Like, you know, I'm probably putting too, you know, maybe overanalyzing it by going the human form, you know, it's not necessarily the human form, but you know, you a Vaughn Bodet character, a Pinocchio, a Mr. Squiggle, uh, you know, like, and I, I love the humor in what you do, man. There was something, there was something not as heavy as, you know, like we can talk about the, the ransoms and the, the crazy wild styles and all, you know, the whoever's, but there was something a lot, I don't know, a lot more jovial to to what you did, dude. And that's what I stated from the outset. Like you were almost a satirist of those, you know, hardcore graffiti attitudes that, you know, others were proponents of, so to speak. You know, yeah. I don't know that there's even a question in that. But, you know, like, I mean, dude, let's go into, okay, let's pick one. I mean, Naughty in Toy not the H done it, the Naughty in Toy Town at Burnley, man. Like, can, let's talk on that wall in particular. Okay. It's, right. a cla- it's a classic. Uh, I mean, it's a classic you done it. You know, it is an absolute classic. Well, Noddy. Uh, Noddy's cool, man. Uh, Noddy drives around in uh, – Noddy lives in a place called Toy Town. Yep. In Toy Town, there's only one cop and his name is Mr. Plod. Noddy drives around in a convertible yellow jalopy with his buddy Big Ears, who is a, a garden gnome, I think. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Holding the crimes that Mr. Plod can't. Uh, I don't know. Like, I just grew up watching Noddy and reading Noddy books, and I, I thought he's a pretty cool character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, 
yeah. Uh, it was as simple. It was, uh, as, it was it, is it as simple as that? You know, you, there was no, there was no real specific like thinking behind any of the characters you attach, like the Thomas the Tank Engine man. The um, you know, I loved well, I, I, I loved what you did with the um, the uh, what was it? It was Mister Squiggle, and you know, you're like the blackboard said, "Hurry up, hurry up!" You know, like I I, I, love, I love that shit, man. There's a fucking there's a there's a degree of humor in it, you know, like as it's it's man, it's amazing stuff what you gave us, Mister Squiggle. I still watch reruns of Mr. Squiggle. That guy, to be able to draw those pictures as a puppet upside down, and uh, that, that, uh, I loved it. I loved, man, me too. I loved Mr. Squiggle as a kid. Like, I loved Mr. Squiggle, man. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, I never pulled off that character as good as I had hoped i i've tried to do mr squiggle a few times and i did one with an airbrush on uh on a piece of board that turned out really well and i was hoping i could pull it off on a wall but i i just you know sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't Mm. and that's the thing about the noddy piece you know sometimes a piece works everything goes right and sometimes everything goes wrong. That naughty piece kind of on the day, everything went right. Yeah. And I, I like the way that that character turned out. And let's see what else about that naughty piece. If you look in the background mm. of piece, um, there's a green and that's King Rust Tahiti green, which was a, a bit of a rare King Rust green to find i only ever saw two cans of it and i was searching for it kill rust tahiti wow. green wow 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 just... I, I yeah uh, so you know i heard wait well, uh, well i heard another uh podcast you're talking about the paint of the time yeah. so it's interesting when i listen to your other uh stories because they they jog my memory. Yeah. So when I was listening to uh, you speak to other writers, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Oh, yeah, things that I'd forgotten about. So uh, I'll just tell you some things that I remember. Please. So maybe it will jog someone else's memory, yeah. maybe someone else. So as far as paint goes, um the paint was different and I reckon the main difference, not talking about uh, the nozzles or the colours or anything, it's that as far as I know, the paint now, it's um, acrylic. Okay. Uh, uh, All the paint, well, not all the paint, but the majority of the paint back then was oil-based gloss enamel. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon that is the, a big, big difference as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And and I hear people talking about, you know, like Dulux, but I just thought I'd mention a couple of other paints that used – and then people talk about shoe paint, Tuxen, it, spelled, it smelled really nice. Yeah. It smelled like – smelled even nicer than the uh, – the paper that you get your police interview on. <laughs> the, the copper stationery. <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone, everyone cites Tuxen, don't they? Like everyone, anyone that smelt Tuxen was like, man, that's, that's a nice paint. I remember there, there was a paint uh, 
Dick Smith. Dick Smith paint. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he made two paints. He made a silver and a matte black. It was called anti-static. Wow. Uh, it was anti, yeah, Dick Smith paint. Uh, other popular uh, paints back then was uh, Tamiya, Japanese oh, paint for painting models. Yeah, the model paint. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The Tamiya there, shit. There was, there was also an English model paint by the company Humberall. It was called Mini Spray. The can was probably only like 15 centimetres tops big. Mm. Um, floral paint. Florists paint flowers. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bristol made some of There used to be a paint company called Bristol. They used to make spray paint. It was great. What about the British, just, British paints too? Yeah, British paints as well. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, uh, I got my hands on some sheep paint. It's for painting sheep. What? So, okay, it's actually, it's not paint, it's dye. Oh, you know, right. yeah. It's like to mark the wool. I was about uh, to say, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so there's all, people were like hunting for anything. Yeah. You know, uh, um, and what about and like what what about the nozzles too? Like were you t were you just were you like just road testing nozzles? I mean like rem remember like the fan jets and stuff with the like little pins in them that would get stuck. Like would you would you would you be stealing nozzles off anything like a can of Mister Sheen or a, you know like was that how you were doing it earlier on or were you just utilizing what came on the can? Tried it, but I always found that the stock standard can nozzle was usually the best. Yeah. Uh, I usually just stuck with, but lots of other guys. That's, that's just me. Other people probably had their own uh, way of doing it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, there was the there was the whole you know like half pressure thing where you put the little bit of card under the nozzle and just get the half sprays and you know there was all kinds of tricks back then pre the days well, of that, you know fat caps that, and all that kind of shit showing up. That was for amateurs. That's for people who couldn't do can control. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah. So, do, do, uh, so, um, so if you got a little wad of paper and you put a hole in it and you, if you put it over the can and then the nozzle on the can, it would reduce the amount of pressure and so that the, uh, the paint had come out in a thinner line. But that's a way of cheat. That's cheating. Like, if you were good, uh, instead of using the paper, what you'd do is instead of pressing the nozzle down, you'd at the same time as pressing down, you'd pull the nozzle back, and it would uh, give you that half spray. Yeah, just spit out. Yeah. In, yeah. How long, did, how long does it take you to develop these techniques? Were they were they shown to you, or did you just did you just start picking up on these things? Uh, that, it was that was shown to me. Yeah. Um, but then I became really good at it. And what what would happen is you'd you'd get this callus on your finger, mm. like from from two things, always pulling back, and also maybe having the cold. Uh, the cold gases from the uh, can hit your finger occasionally and you get this callus 
on your finger and uh, as the callus got bigger and bigger it would actually help you uh, do uh, can control. The, uh, or as you were telling me yesterday, mate, the, the, you know, at a point, the attention and the, um, you know, the heat from the transits that you were receiving, you, you know, you, you found yourself just having to get out of Melbourne. You wound up moving out to Geelong. Was it, it was it pretty hectic around that time for you? Yeah, it was. And it wasn't just the, um, it wasn't just the cops. It was kind of like the whole scene had changed by the, uh, by the late eighties, the, the the whole scene had changed. Like the um, that uh, that movie came out. Um, oh, the one with Johnny in it. One of Sean Penn. Oh, okay. Colors. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That that came out. And that kind of changed the the whole scene a bit. And was kind of you know, so. Dude, I don't, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but what, what, I'd love to hear your perspectives on that. So, you know, like you start seeing the gangster culture start creeping in, you know, yeah, you're talking about colours, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, uh, that, that, that really did become a big thing down there in Melbourne, didn't it? Yeah. And so what I, what I don't get, it's like the movie, it's kind of the moral of the movie is like that it's not good and it all ends up you know, it's a sad story. Mm. The, the moral of the, the movie is, it's like, it's you, you, you've seen the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah of course, of course. I, could, I didn't understand why it became so popular. It's just the, that was just irony, I guess. Um, well, I, I, I would I would view it as you know you have you have hip hop culture now burgeoning in this country by the you know by the mid to late eighties you're starting to see, and then you have the uh, emergence of gangster rap, and then Colors comes out, you know. So Colors Colors gives gives gangster rap uh, a, a, a like almost a visual aspect, and as you said, the, it's largely you know it's based around police trying to fight. You know, like I mean, fuck, I haven't watched Colors in years, but I remember, I mean, I watched two or three times as a kid. Obviously, Ice-T song from there. You know, Ice-T had the fucking, had that big joint that was on the soundtrack and stuff like that. But I suppose Colours uh, gave, you know, gave what a lot of us were listening to because, you know, I sort of come in on the tail end of that. Like my era got like Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society and we got even further deeper into it because gangster rap is exploding. And then we get, you know, these movies set in South Central LA. We get to see what what that is because you know prior we didn't have the internet none of us had the internet back then you know so this is our only visual representation of what we're listening to you know so i suppose that's that's how it begins to impact but you're seeing but you were seeing the like the sort of the the negativity and the heat that it was bringing yeah some people think maybe that it started with nwa but i don't I, with those albums coming out but i don't think so yep. um i think it was that movie and yeah, the irony in, in it is that, you know, the movie kind of like says that it's, you know, the moral of the story is it's not good. But I don't, I don't, I don't understand why it took off. It just did. Yeah. I guess the Ice T album cover, you know, he's there, he's, he's looking pretty cool and he's got a gun and he's got a couple of babes with, in bikinis, is that Definitely. right? Is yeah, yeah, it was his wife, Darlene, actually, on the cover of, um, oh, okay. on the cover of Ryan Pays and then Power. 
Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. I don't. I don't know shit about hip hop. Yeah. No. No. Uh, no. 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 Not oh. at all, man. Not at all. But you do. You do clearly. You know. You were there. You saw that much. You know that much. And you were. You're not wrong. He's on the cover with guns and fucking and you know and hot chicks. Yeah. And like, I guess to a young people, young person, you know, that's pretty appealing. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I know. It's easy to look at things with hindsight and think. That's pretty stupid, but mm. uh, yeah. But so, so basically, um, yeah, it was getting hot, really hot for me, and um, so I, I ended up get, getting uh, raided again. And well, speaking about colours, here's something interesting. Mm. It's like in that movie, Colours. This, this see, I don't think it was just. Uh, the writers who got influenced by it. I think it was the cops too because, like I told, told you about the telephone book story. Yeah. Well, when they, uh, so when they raided my house, it was on the door at 4 o'clock in the morning. It was knock, knock, sledgehammer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There, was no, there was no wait for him to answer the door. It was knock knock sledgehammer, and the sledgehammer had written on it, "May I come in?" <laughs> which is the, which is the same as colours. Yeah, right. Like they use the thing to. So I reckon the cops were just as uh, influenced. Yeah. In some way. Of yeah, but so I got charged with uh, you know again going into. The, getting charged and again typing the chimpanzee typing you know <laughs> no uh, comment. typing typing yeah. no comment <laughs> yeah and it's like 10 page it's over 10 pages and it and it lists every train every train number and and another thing is the way they would uh, work out the damage done mm. like you done x amount of damage on this train or X amount of damage on this wall. So what they do is to uh, to say how much damage you've done on the wall mm. is let's say it would cost this much to sandblast it oh. to get it back to bare brick. Yeah. But the only thing is you've gone over another – it's layers and layers of paint. So of basically if, if I went over uh, – if imagine I went over someone's piece – Let's say it costs, okay, the damage to this wall is a thousand bucks, for example. That's the amount of cost to sandblast it. And then someone went over my piece, they'd say, okay, a thousand bucks. And then someone went over that piece, they'd say, okay, so it doesn't add up, you no. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, they, uh, anyway, um, they, they said to me, they said, look, if you admit, you've got two ways to do this, you can admit it. And we'll go easy on you, or you can continue to say no comment, and we're going to fucking throw every fucking thing that we can at you. Jesus. We'll even charge you with milk crates because when they <laughs> when they raided my house, I kept all my paint in milk crates, right? Yeah, and. It's not only me that has milk crates. Everybody had milk crates Absolutely. in their garage or something for storage. And I said, "No, uh, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to cooperate." And uh, there was no comment, no comment, no comment. And here's a classic one: right at the end of the interview, they'd say, 
I'd be saying no comment, no comment, no comment. And then right at the end of the interview, or it's wrapping up, they'd say, okay, this is the end of the interview. Is there anything else you'd like to say? And I said, no. Comment. <laughs> <laughs> no. Comment. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, they must have loved you, dude. <laughs> well, they hated me, man. Yeah, I believe um, it. <laughs> but, they, but they were true to their word because, yeah, they did. They charged me with um, everything with milk crates, right? Theft of milk crates. And, like, uh, it was going to go to court and they were calling in the guy from the milk company as a witness, what? you know, like, and they had all these... They, they were just going to throw the fucking book at me. Um, so that's when, it, that's when it starts getting petty and irrational, doesn't it? Like really at that point it's kind of like, fuck, man. Like I, I get it. Like if you got to get out of there, man. Like, you know, like it's it's getting, you know, and as we were stating earlier, that just that, that level of scrutiny and heavy-handedness that you guys came under in that specifically that era. I'm kind of lucky in a way. So um, I actually ended up getting off all of those charges. Oh fuck again! Like, really? Yeah. Wow. So um, I I got off all of those charges except for one charge, hmm. and that charge was fail to appear. Ah yeah yeah yeah. Because I, I I didn't show up to court and uh, I didn't and, uh, I I absconded. For many years. Yeah, you, and, you, you uh, hadn't, you told me you hadn't shown up to court for like 10 years or something, hey? <laughs> yeah, and basically, um, you know, kind of went on the, went on the run a little bit. And um, basically what happened was uh, I had to renew my driver's license. Driver's license is good for maybe 10 years or so, I can't remember. Yeah. One day I went to renew my driver's license and when I, when they put my name in there, like, uh, hang on, yeah, and I'm just at like the the driving place, you know, like the road traffic authority, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, hang on, and it's like, hey man, I'm just here to renew my license for Christ's sake. It's like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. You've been flagged, and that's that's when they go, okay, you got to face the music. Oh well, no, and I said, okay, I might as well face the music. Yeah, and. Uh, so then it went to court, but 10 years later, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have the photos, they didn't have the witnesses, you know, they didn't have, and it, it, it all got thrown out. So this is, so t 10 years later, they're attempting to throw everything at you. They're, they're attempting to get you for every charge. And this is post. This no, is no, no, not they're attempting. So... Ten years later, I've gone to renew my license, and they go, "You've got all these other charges, and you have to go to court." Oh, and so I'm no. like, "Okay, I'm going to go to court." And then and it goes to court, and basically, ten years later, they no longer have the evidence because yeah. it's like I was telling you before off air that story about when I went and saw PJ. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I, I was man. That's that's pretty much my next question. That is pretty much so my basically, next question. Let's do it. Basically, I I got off all my so so ten years later. You know, they they don't they've got no evidence. They've got no photos of of uh, 
of the what I've meant to have done. They've got no records because. So what what happened was that some. So okay, originally, uh, as I said, they used to type the things onto paper. Yeah. Uh, and uh, evidence. Uh, a trans a, a police photographer would go into the yards with an SLL camera that had film in it and he'd take a photo, develop the film and get a a photo, right? Mm. There, there were no recordings of... Uh, so I imagine now that when they record an interview, it probably gets put on some hard drive or on a disc or yeah, something. It it's computerised. Yeah. And when they take a photo of something, it's done on a digital... It's digitally photographed, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened was in that time that I didn't... In, in that meantime, uh, things had changed. Uh, all these paper interviews and stuff, they... They, so the transit officers ch changed location at least, I think, two times. Yeah. Like when I, I think they, 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 maybe they were at uh, Flinders Lane and then they moved to Spencer Street and then they moved to St Kilda Road. So that I think they, I could be wrong, but uh, I think they moved offices twice. And in that time, things went from analogue to digital, yeah. you know, from from paper to, you know, an actual hard, you know, paper photos. Yeah. And, um, and, and then when I went, basically when I showed up the court, they, they, they no longer had any of this, all the evidence. There was no evidence. So mm. everything just, they, they had no evidence. They had no records. They'd moved offices and they'd just thrown everything away. Yeah, that's unbelievable, eh? That's unreal. Like you would think they would employ someone to digitise that information, not necessarily maybe the photos. You would think the photos might go on record, but, you know, like there's, the, the, you know, I mean there's a whole world of, you know, data entry going on out there these days, you know, people, you know, digitising what was once on paper and, they didn't do that. They, yeah, that's it's amazing, man. And you you were telling me. Oh, actually, please, like, can we go into like you know we've spoken about um, PJ on numerous episodes on you know so many episodes. Peter Stevens, you know the infamous Peter Stevens. You actually got to sit opposite him and talk to him, and you asked him for your photos back. Yeah. So, well, so uh, so I listened to your other episodes and like my experience with PJ, it sounds pretty similar to the experience that Jewel had with uh, PJ. So, you know, um, I've, I've got beaten up by uh, by transits plenty of times, but I'll tell you, um, PJ, he never laid a finger on me, and I think Johnny Williams said the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, so... No, I think, I think not to interrupt, but I think it was Pest. I think it was Pest that said, or maybe it was Johnny, because I thought Johnny copped a lot of hassles. Like they turned up at his house and they put marijuana plants out front. And I can't, or maybe you could be right, but I also recall Pest saying that. Well, no, I'm, I'm sure the transits did that, but there are yeah. lots of transits. But all, yeah, I, of okay, all I can say yeah. is my experience, and 
I've I've been you know beaten up by lots of transits, but I've never been beat up by PJ. Yeah. But I'm sure he uh, he probably did beat up other people. Yeah. But he didn't beat up me. And why is that? I don't know. But um, you can only wonder. But hey, have you ever seen um, a movie? It's an old spaghetti western with Clint Eastwood. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Dude, I'm aware of it. I haven't seen it. No. Nah. Oh man! Yeah, Are you serious? Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen. It. I'm aware of it because I've. I, I know it was. It was. It wasn't. It? it was like the good, the bad, and the ugly was a big influence on what Tarantino did with um some movie recently. And no, I've never seen it. I've never seen. It. I've, never seen it. I've seen Dirty Harry, and I've seen you know like a lot of those East Clint Eastwood movies. But I haven't seen. Uh, haven't seen the good, the bad, or the ugly. Oh man, it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole movie on YouTube. Okay, Word. yeah, it's good. It's great. Yeah. Well, look, I. I I'll give you a brief rundown of that movie, so just bear with me. So it's a Western, and uh, there's, there's three guys. There's the good, and that's Clint Eastwood, and he, his character's name is Blondie. Yeah. There's uh, the bad, and that's Lee Van Cleef, and uh, his character's name is Angel Eyes. And then there's the ugly, and... Uh, his character's name is Tuco, right? And uh, so basically they're after uh, there's $200,000 in gold buried in a cemetery and basically the good Clint Eastwood, by circumstance, he knows what the name of the grave, the name on the grave where the gold is buried yeah. and the bad he knows the name of the cemetery, mm, right? Yeah, mm. uh, but So one person knows the name of the cemetery, the other person knows the name of the grave only. Yeah. So basically uh, Angel Eyes, he beats up Tuco to find out the name of the cemetery. He beats him up, tortures him, and then he calls in uh, Blondie, the good, Clint Eastwood, yes. and uh, he goes, okay, you're coming with me. And he's like, what, you're not going to beat me up as well? <laughs> and uh, he goes, you know, he said, would you talk? And he said, no, probably not. And he goes, that's what I thought. And that's why he didn't get beaten up, but Tuco did. So I reckon it's kind of like this. Watch the movie. Yeah. I reckon that's kind of like why Peter Trans is a stupid Peter Stevens was pretty cunning. Yeah. Um, he, he was a Vietnam veteran, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I think. That could be wrong. Um, yeah, I'm sure he did beat up people, but he, he like, he, he probably knew that if he started beating up me, it's going to make me less likely to say anything, right? right for sure, for sure. Uh, and maybe it's the same with... Uh, with Jewel. Um, I'm sure I'm sure he'd probably beat up people if he thought he could get some information out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. You know, like I've been beaten up by police and straight away when I'm out of the um, out of the cop shop, I just go straight to the hospital and say I've been beaten up by the police, give me a police give me a medical certificate. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, he, he 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 was cunning, okay? So anyway, um, after 
after uh, I'd got off everything, right? I'd got off all my charges and I'm like, right, I've got off. I've had uh, my paint confiscated, my photos confiscated, other, other stuff taken. It's like I want them back, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and at that time there was a like a – like a free magazine that you could get in record shops and stuff. And I think the name of the magazine was Beat Magazine mm -hmm. yep. or something like that. And uh, there was some reporter with Beat Magazine and she, she, she was doing some – she wanted to do a story about graffiti or something and somehow or other she got put in touch with me and some other people and – She's talking to us and we are talking to her about PJ and she's decided she wanted to interview this guy, PJ. And PJ loved the media, man. He's in so many uh, news uh, clips and stuff like that. Yeah. So she organised to uh, interview PJ and I said, look, can I come? Uh, because I, I would never go into the fucking transit office by myself, but okay. if... If I'm with some reporter, I'm, I know that I'm kind of safe, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we go in there on the pretext of uh, doing some – she's going to do some interview with uh, PJ. They probably think I'm the cameraman or something. And uh, get in there and hey, PJ, how's it going? Give me my photos back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want my photos. I want my paint. She's a reporter. She's recording everything we say. Uh, and he uh, he sat. He had his own office with his with a desk. And behind the desk, there was a full blow up of the first whole car in Melbourne. Yeah, unbelievable, amazing. But um, he said to me, "I'm like, give me my photos." He's like. They don't exist anymore. He, like he, he told me the story. Look, we moved offices. It's not on. Everything's digital now, and all of those. You know, we had thousands and thousands of photos. You know, just the police photographer would go in there and take photos of tags on trains and throw ups on trains and pieces on trains. And there's just thousands upon thousands of photos and. And they all just got burnt, I guess, thrown away. What I also find interesting about that story is the fact that he had that, like, you know, the first, what, that first whole car in Melbourne. What was it? Was it the, um, oh, actually, probably, I've got to probably go, let's have a look. Hold on, let's just go real quick, see if I can find it. It'll be in Kingsway here because I've got Kingsway sitting in front of me. Fuck, I ought to know this off the top of my head. I can't remember. But do you think he had that there as like some sort of motivation or do you think he like was a, cl a closeted fan of what he was doing? You know, like I've uh, like I've said in the past, I've said that, you know, some of these dudes must have been, you know, like closet sick fucks, you know, like, but I mean, I suppose, you know, as someone pointed out to me, someone messaged me once and they said, it'd be amazing to know how old they were at the time, those guys, you know, like we are probably older than a lot of those guys now. You know, like at this at this age, we're probably older than what they were when they were arresting you guys. They may have been in their late twenties, early thirties. Because when you're a teenager, I mean, anyone that's twenty five, fucking twenty five plus, maybe thirty years old, is fucking ancient to you. You know, so it's yeah. Like I, I just when you said that, when you said he had the blow up of that first whole car done in Melbourne, 
behind him. Like that was that's amazing to me. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, like those transits, if they were beating up kids, right? Yeah, they were. They were beating up kids. Yeah. yeah. So maybe now they're in their, I don't know. Let's say they're seventy years old now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, does that mean that if I come across one of those seventy-year-old former transits who beat me up? Do I have the right to kick away his walking stick and <laughs> flog the shit start, out of him? <laughs> start pulling his ears, give him a slap across the face, <laughs> maybe a telephone book? Is that okay? Is that is that is that karma? It's it's fucking it sounds almost fair to me, dude. Like to be perfectly honest, man, not to be a fucking cruel cunt, but Jesus Christ, I mean the torture they put you guys through. Now look, I'm looking at this whole car, the AJ27 Prime Grand 38 Jollymont, Melbourne's first whole car, Astro Gaz, Prime Style, and Grand Sorcerer, the Future Four, 1985. And is that the is I imagine that might be the even the photo that he probably had behind his desk with the big Mitchell sign up up in the background. Yeah. Is that the one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you're Kingsway in front of you now, dear. Oh, oh man, I'm sitting here with it in front of me. Yeah, I do. This this book is never too far from me, man. <laughs> you know, I'm always sort of referencing and cross-referencing and going back and flicking through it. There's actually a photo of me in that book. Okay. Do you know? Where? Um. Yeah. There's a maybe in the in the middle. There's a a photo of like um, it might be Johnny Williams doing the backflip or something. Oh yeah. So, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that photo. Yeah. And then... Uh, You're in that... Are you, are you there, the city square that day? Yeah, if you kind of look uh, look in the background, there's me and Paris standing. We're kind of like uh, the top... We were... There was some kind of event and we were meant to be doing a piece and some people were meant to be doing break dancing. And there's... Uh, is this where this, this is where Johnny's um, doing the backflip for the factory? The you know he, they're they're filming that show. Is it the factory? Is it uh, uh, yeah, okay? The, the ABC. Okay. Show. Well, that's the one where Johnny's doing the backflip, and there's the crowd okay. around. And oh, is that you two standing at the back? Standing. Yeah, at the I back think I'm wearing a blue, light blue t-shirt. Maybe. Yeah, dude, with the with the with the with the big head of hair. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! Fuck, oh, man, I'm going to take a photo of this for Instagram, like, you know, when this episode goes live. Wow. That's you in peril, is it? Paris. Oh, Paris, sorry. Yeah, fuck, that's crazy. So you were painting think, yous were painting there that day? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. It's an amazing shot too, isn't it, just to catch Johnny in midair like that, but then to see the history. And, you know, like, um, who else was in the crowd? You know, like, I mean, the, there would have been countless names, you know, countless, you know, dudes that would go on to be, you know, prominent prominent um, writers, B-boys, B-girls of the era in that crowd, man, without fail, without fail. And and you say that's the factory, the ABC factory show? Yeah, because there were there was another ABC factory show when um, when Phase Two came out. Oh, Do you, yeah. you know about that? Yeah, of course. Do you know about that? Yeah, of yeah, course, okay. Yeah, he even came to Brisbane. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah late, late 80s, yeah. No, but yeah, well, according I mean, according to Kingsway, duel of Ghetto Rock Breakers in flight during the filming of the factory, City Square, Melbourne, 87, 88. Okay. Yeah. 
It's a great photo. It's an amazing photo. Actually, I think I used, I, I mean, I credited King's Way, but if you go back through our Instagram uh, to Johnny's episode, you can just scroll back down. I'm pretty sure I took a, I took a flick of this and used it during the promotion of that episode. I can't believe that's you in the, I mean, I can believe it, but yeah, that's bugged out that that's you in the background there, man. Whose yeah, photo? Was, I, is that Chrissy's photo? Like who got a lot of these photos? I think Chrissy took a lot of photos. Probably, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but so, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, keeping on, keeping on, um, you, 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 man, you, you decide to get out of there. You're done with Melbourne. Like it's just, it's too much heat, too much ga- like the, the gang. I mean, you come across as someone that really just has no interest in that aspect and that lifestyle, man. You know, you, you know, you yeah, seem like really. a very, yeah, a very moderate person and, you know, just very much about your own business. Like that just, that took over and you decide to move out to Geelong. How'd you, how'd you find Geelong? Oh, lovely. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was good. It was good. And, uh, Did you continue painting while you were out there? Uh, well, I had freight yards out there, so, uh, yeah, I did that, and it's not too far from Melbourne. And, uh, so, yeah, that, that was good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, that, that, so that's Geelong. But, dude, listen, one thing that maybe not a lot of people know of you is uh, that you are a founding member of the Cave Clan. You- well, I, I, no, I'm not a founding member. Okay, my apologies. But probably one of the early members. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. How would you find yourself in that mix? Because, I mean, yeah, and, and like... Yeah, just how would you find yourself in that mix? Were you just always like just exploring, always just sort of getting out there, you know? Like what what led you underground like that? Well, um, yeah, I was always exploring. And, and like I'd go down to, to drains to like practice, uh, you know, practice mechanic control and practice tagging because you, know, you go down a drain during the daytime and – you wouldn't get busted, and and now lots of riders go down drains, but then nobody went down drains, right? Yeah. And uh, and uh, except for the Cave Clan, yes. which was which was also kind of started up about this roughly about the same time, yeah. And so they'd they'd uh, they'd leave messages, you know, like you know, if you want to hook up the Cave Clan, you know. Well, you leave messages. There's no cell phones, or mm. you leave message down a drain, and you write your message, and then they'd come back and write a message, and eventually hooked up with them. And that was kind of good information to have where the drains were, where the manholes popped up. Always a good ex- escape route, a drain. Yeah. Uh, you know, imagine you chased by the cops, and all of a sudden. He's popped down and drained. They're not. They're not going to know what to do. Nice, no, straight uh, up, straight up. Yeah. So, what what people what a lot of people don't know it's um so stickers are very popular these days. But you know the cave clan they were the people who first started bombing with stickers wow. before all the riders. It was uh, cave clan. Wow! Wow! And they were. They were up on the up on the line as well, uh, yeah. So yeah, and a lot of a lot of writers kind of are associated with the Cave Clan uh, for some reason or other. I don't know why, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, the original. 
I think, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think a lot of it is in what you just said. It's an easy place to go paint, you know, like you find, you, you find, uh, you know, stormwater drains under, you know, and beyond that, it's exploration. You know, we're all kids once. We love, like, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, I was never never that deep into it but you know if you could find some drains going somewhere man you'd fucking walk for miles you'd walk train tracks for miles not knowing where you were going you know like walking freight lines and all that kind of thing you know we used to love it yeah so yeah that's interesting yeah no, um, that's amazing how much time did you spend under underneath the city like like did you spend a lot of years doing it? have you maintained any relationships with those dudes i mean i know it's it's generational but they still exist in some capacity don't they the, the cave clan well, um, I'm in touch with the original guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's funny actually. Um, I'm kind of like in a in a chat room with uh, with uh, some of the original Cave Clan guys, and a bunch of old AC guys are in the in the same chat room that I'm in. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Strange, strange mix. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I imagine it would be. I imagine it would be. Well, I mean, dude, listen, we've had you, like, I'm looking, I'm, I mean, yeah. Durry, Durry breaks aside, we're going on almost three hours of recording. We might have to tighten, yeah, no worries, man. tighten the All episode right. up. No, but, dude, is it like, well, how, how do we wrap this up, man? Like, it's 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 an absolute honor, like, you know, sort of going back to what we were talking about before, man. I mean, sometimes, you know, like, I mean, I, I mean, you know, regardless of whatever, I largely don't even know what I'm doing half the time when I'm hosting these podcasts. I'm just trying to have a, have a good conversation and capture that history and, you know, do it in a conversational fashion, you know, like, uh, do, can we touch on, because I think we could just kind of skirt it over it and we'll kind of wrap it up here, I suppose. Your piece alongside the Corner Hotel, is it still there? I don't know if you know, but is it still there? Because it was there up until probably fucking five or ten years ago. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think it's got a – part of it's got a no parking sign bolted across it. But, wow. Um, wow. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, but I'm surprised it hasn't faded away. Um, can, yeah, it's so there's that. The the yellow was uh, Coles Sunshine Yellow, which Coles is like now Woolworths. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the pink was uh, Plasticoat Pink, which Plasticoat used to have a good reputation, but that pink shit. And uh, the Coles yellow is better than, the, yeah. yeah. But um, it's a, it's a great piece. Yeah. It's, it's it's I think uh, you know. And to give you your credit, it's 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 an iconic piece. You know, you are responsible for a, a lot of you know. Like you, we were talking earlier. You know, like you, know, you didn't experiment into um, wild style and stuff. So you know, while we had the murders and the jewels, and you know, we've spoken to the Thames, and there's countless rise, Paris perils, ransoms, you know, disguise, all, all these people. You are still nonetheless responsible for. Uh, like incredibly iconic moments in Melbourne history, you know, and the development of style beyond that. I mean, fuck, who was doing as many characters as you were at that time? You know, like you had a character attached to almost damn near every piece, you know, and panels on top of that. You know, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. You you are so deserving of the props, Hugh, like truthfully. It's funny you mentioned that wall. Um, I'll, all I'll say is uh, watch that space. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep our eyes on it because you're still active too, dude, aren't you? You know, like you're still well, um, to a degree. A bit, <laughs> yeah, small degree, small degree. 
Yeah. What about the uh, big, the big um, goldie, the big gold at Alexandra Place that I was talking to you about last night? I mean, that's amazing, dude. It's still, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, guys. I mean, you guys set the standard for what came afterwards, man, and to see you still at it, and, and on such a scale, no less. You know. Yeah, it's funny that I actually ran out of paint, and uh, my, my friend Beck had to uh, quickly run down and grab a few more boxes. Oh, for gold, real? yeah, yeah, right. Um, was that was that like uh, a sponsored piece or something like that? Did we kick the paint? Yeah, um, that yes, it was. Um, that was uh, Iron Lack was uh, good enough to give me the paint for that. Nice, which nice. I appreciate. Yeah, um, yeah, but they didn't give me enough. <laughs> they didn't give me enough. <laughs> did you ever? Did you just on a side note? Did you ever paint the abattoirs? I uh, know, but I went in there. Yeah. Um, one time I went into – here's a story about the abattoirs. It's not really a graffiti story, but I went into the abattoirs and they had a big uh, metal tank and uh, it had like a, a wheel where you – like a tap where you turn the wheel and a, and a tap would uh, open and uh, it was just all full of congealed blood. Wow. Yeah. For, I guess from – From the animals. Yeah. yeah, like I opened up this, we turned the wheel, which would open a tap, and it was just full of congealed blood. But I think that place was full of asbestos, I think. Yeah, um, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a, 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 yeah. a lot of people have told us those stories, man. You'd go in there with a T-shirt over your face because, yeah, it was fucking – it was condemned, obviously. But, yeah, it was just fucking packed with asbestos. I imagine they didn't know what to do with it for a number of years, hence why it sat there – sat there fucking well sat there as a gallery for so many of the you know so many of you guys and some of the writers we've spoken to prior and also it's in burnley because you know you painted you you seem to uh, have done a lot around burnley so yeah i wondered if you'd done I, much i don't know who found that place but i reckon that maybe uh prime found that place because his house was just around the corner from there yeah right yeah his mother's house yeah, um, I'm sure he. Probably, well, no, I, I'm, that's a guess. Sorry, it's, I don't know who. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, someone discovered it, and that, it, that was that was his uh, neighbourhood. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Were you? Did you? Did you live? Did you live around Burnley Way? No, not 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 really. Well, not too far away, I guess. Mm. Um, well, no, I did for a while. Because, uh, so yeah, for a while. Uh, me and Tame shared a house in Burnley. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we lived together and we did lots of pieces there. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in Burnley. Because even the um, even the on um, you know on page one forty nine in your in your section of um, of um, of Kingsway, there's another Burnley piece there with the character alongside it, the green one alongside the train tracks there. That one. Oh, what? What piece is it? Uh, it's just the Dunnett with the character. He's got like pink hair, a red jumper on. It's at Burnley, eighty nine ninety. It's a dope piece, dude. Great, like just great funky letters, you know, like sort of flowy kind of letters. Got two. Uh, Sorry? I guess that's a self-portrait maybe. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. I think I saw another photo of this on your, maybe possibly on your Instagram with someone standing in front of it and it looked like uh, is that you? Is that was that you or another kid standing in front of it? No, yeah, uh, that's just some some unknown person standing in front of it. I think an unknown, yeah, 
yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Oh, listen, bro, listen, man, we've um, listened to it. We've had you for three hours, and then, you know, on top of that, like if we factor in the hours we put into this conversation last night, man, like we've been talking for like five hours now. I can't thank you enough for your time, for all your contributions. No, it's um, it's uh, my pleasure, Jake, and uh, keep up the good work is all I can say. Oh, dude, we'll try, we'll try, man. And, like, you know, we, we can only do what we, we do today thanks to the contributions of people such as yourself, man. And, you know, if we can open your story up to, you know, uh, more people, if we can bring this art back to the fore, you know, because this is this is where style began. You know, this this right here. I mean, it may have existed in some capacity prior, but it developed through here and uh, everything you did, man. Is there anything you want to leave us with you? Is there anything in particular or are you all good? Um, well, you know, I, I, I just want to plug that uh, Wall Stories book, I guess. Yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and just to jog some people's memories, as my memory was jogged by your previous... Uh, I think I'm, I'm just mentioned some of the names of because you're always talking about transits beating people up. So mm. here are some of the names that uh, of transits that I remember. There, there was Carhill, yep. O'Brien, yep. Barker, Lansley, Eddie Farnsworth, mm. and there was probably a whole lot of other guys that I can't remember. But yeah, those guys uh, were uh, child beaters. So yeah, you can see them. Kick their kick their uh, walking stick and let down the tires in their wheelchair, <laughs> and then fucking kick their teeth in, man. <laughs> and then yeah. and then and let's not forget if you're travelling on public transport, drink a stubby, not a fucking can. Yeah, let's remember <laughs> and keep the bottle top in your that's in right. Your pocket. That that is yeah. life advice for all of us, no matter how old, <laughs> no matter how old, no matter what era. <laughs> all right, you man, you hang in there just for five more minutes, and we'll wrap it up. And um, listen, this okay. is a bit, yeah, you're good, you're happy. Yeah, thanks. Awesome, brother. All right, just give me two more minutes. I'll wrap this up. This yep. has been Beers, Beats, and the Biz for another week. We have been joined by the one and only Hugh Dunnett. Uh, another amazing conversation. And, you know, we can't thank these people for, um, you know, for we can't thank these people enough for the contributions and sacrifices and everything they gave us, everything they did, everything they gave us. And, um, you know, you can support this podcast. Go to patreon.com forward slash Beers, Beats, the Biz. Find us on social media. Rate, subscribe. Um, hit the iTunes. Blah, blah, blah. I think I've said it all. Let's get out of here now. Peace.